Good morning, everyone. Gadget here with Janssen. He is a singer. He is a producer. Uh, really, really super talented. And what's more impressive beyond just that is the story of how you got here and the struggles that you had to navigate, especially one point in your life a couple of years ago where you found yourself in a lot of trouble and how you got out of that and doing the things that you're doing right now. So you don't want to miss this conversation. The full conversation is available in the link below on the podcast. But this video, we highlight some of the key points that we touch on. And again, if you have any more questions, make sure to leave it in the comments below. With that out of the way, let's get this thing started. So for the people that don't know you, what is it that you do right now? So right now, I am an audio engineer. Mm-hmm. I mix master records for myself and other artists. Mm-hmm. I'm also a music producer. Mm-hmm. I'm working with a wide range of artists from different genres. Yeah. I'm also a professional rhythm player, so I do... A lot of kind of classical shows too. For people that are not Tamil and yeah. don't know the instrument, I, I want you to pronounce it slower for them. Okay. And maybe talk about this instrument as well. Because I think this is where the origin story starts. So yeah. the instrument is called a... It's called a Mirudangam. Yeah. There's like five syllables <laughs> in there. Mirudangam. Uh, Mirudangam. Yeah. And this instrument, very popular and very, you know, I think it's it's a historical piece in, in Tamil culture. Definitely. But this is where kind of your story starts. You, you're an audio engineer, you're making music, you're helping other artists elevate their game. Um, but I mean, you also sing and rap as I'm well. I'm also an artist as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think you're being a little bit modest because you do some <laughs> amazing work. We're going to get to that. Um, but you started with this instrument, right? This yes. really shaped who you are. So take us back to that. Where does your story begin? Yeah, like uh, I started learning uh, Indian classical mm-hmm. uh, vocal first. So my parents just put me into that. Gotcha. So you got into the vocal side. Yeah. Um, I didn't take it seriously. Yeah. But this is when I was around um, six years old. Right. And around the same time, I used to go to uh, religious classes too. Right. So in that time, we had something called bhajans where, you know, everyone sing together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Near the end of the religious classes. And then I remember watching someone play the drum now yeah. called the Mirudangam. Yeah. And... I'm not even lying. It was like love at first sight. Right. It sounds so cliche. It sounds cheesy. But like, that's how it was. Like, I no, saw the drum. a powerful thing. Yeah. It was like, I saw the drum and I felt like it was calling me. Yeah. I felt yeah. like, yeah, I need to learn this. Yeah, yeah. And like, normally when I talk to other people who learned Mirazangam or any type of instrument right. um, in our culture, I felt like a lot of people, would, the typical answer is my parents forced me into it. Mm-hmm. You know, they put me into it. You hear some, it all the time. Some people like... end up liking it down the road. Right. Other people hate it and yeah. they end up stopping. Right. right? But at six years old, you knew yourself you wanted to do it. At six years old, I knew myself. I want to play this. Wow. And I knew I wanted to conquer this instrument. Learn everything about it. Be the best player of this instrument. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just clicked. Yeah. It was just a feeling that I had. And I I told you before, like, I always go based off a feeling. Right, right. right. All my music is from my feelings. Yeah. Whatever I'm feeling inside. Yeah. So I remember tugging on my mom and I'm like, I'm on, I'm on. I need to learn this. Yeah. Take me. Yeah. Take me. Yeah. And nearly the next week. Um, my teacher ended up being my vocal teacher's brother. Gotcha. So it was already connected. Right, right, right. And then my parents put me into the middle of the class. Yeah. And from there, the passion just... So you're doing this at six years old, and like, how long did you do this for? And what are some accolades that came along with that? So six years old is when I started. Yeah. Uh, learned all the basics. And then by the time I was eight years old, I guess my uh, my teacher thought I was ready to do my maiden performance. So right, right, right. In, in Tamil culture, we yeah. were learning... Indian instruments uh, yeah. uh, you normally do it it's almost like it's almost I mean to call it a graduation ceremony you kind know, of it underplays how important it is yeah, because it's supposed it, to be like the first initial step for you to you yeah, know, yeah. show your culturally you and then correct me if I'm wrong it's like 
you have finally attained a level of uh, aptitude that you can perform for other people. Yeah. You know, it's like the highest form of gratitude, but also respect that you have gotten so good at this thing, you can now perform for others. Exactly. Right? It's a humbling thing. And this, you you did at eight years old, the youngest person at that time to ever do it. Well, they say, yeah, the youngest person in Canada to do it. Like, in Canada at that time. They call it Adengatrum. Right. Then when I did it, uh, I didn't do all the portions that a full-on Adengatrum would have, so they yeah. called it like a junior Adengatrum. Right, right, right. Um, but I didn't know that at that point. Like, I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. So, uh, my, my to you, it was just, it was just like, like a feeling. It was just yeah, you doing it. Yeah. I got, the passion was so real at that moment. They wanted me to display that to the, the rest of the world. So right. when I got a haul, did my show when I was eight years old, and like it was a, it was a success. Yeah. And from there on, it just became more and more of an obsession. Right. Of right. How can I get better? Yeah. You know? I'm, and so when I was learning rhythm, this tied me directly to South Indian classical music. Right. Right. It wasn't just rhythm, right? The rhythm came with Carnatic music itself as yeah, a whole. Yeah, so yeah, I would yeah. be listening to... It's just one piece of this grand... Yeah, so this yeah. instrument brought me to a whole world of other music, right? Within that culture. Yeah. And that uh, led me to listening to people uh, like um, ancient artists like Jean Bala Subramaniam. Right. Like Emma, Sub- Emma Subalakshmi. Yeah. Kaurapin Mani. These are like artists from like uh, since, since the 1950s yeah, all the way to like the early yeah, 2000s yeah. I would be listening to old CDs really like the golden era of music itself yeah right? like of karate music itself and like it was like me and a group of my friends at the time we were like just so passionate about that music yeah. so that's all I listened to yeah. growing up Yeah. no other music it was just straight South Indian classical Carnatic music yeah yeah and you know me growing up I'm not gonna pretend like I've always been into Carnatic music or any of that kind of stuff but I you know I had to take an elective in university and I took Bollywood music because I thought I would get an easy A okay. obviously I mean, I'm not <laughs> afraid to admit it but going through that class and learning about Carnatic music its arrangements and how I guess the only word is flavorful it was mm-hmm. you know it, it seemed to be something that was rooted in discipline and like had a regiment but also was uh free and like rich in certain ways that you wouldn't find in typical classical music yeah what experimented I, what i really way. love about it is like a lot of it's improv yeah you go yeah, like yeah. i said you go based off a feeling it's, it's very like jazz in that way where yeah. it's like it's improv but there's also like a strict discipline in the respect that you have for these instruments and what you have to how you treat them in a way yeah and like i guess that's where i first got my uh share of jamming with different musicians, right? Because right. they're playing rhythm and I'm accompanying a vocalist or another instrumentalist. Right. I'm pretty much jamming with them. It's like a call and response, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go based on feeling. I love that feeling. Yeah, Especially yeah. when you're both, the chemistry is really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel it in the shows. Like, it's just amazing. Yeah, And yeah. then, when I would be playing for like, band shows and stuff, I felt yeah. like I was restricted in a sense. Where it's like, okay, you gotta play however a song is. Like, yeah. try to match exactly how the song is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's why I really love Carnatic music itself. Yeah. Like, and so you're at eight years old, you put on this show, and like, I, I imagine people in the audience were like, what the heck, we've never seen an eight year old do this before. Um, what sort of your origin story beyond that? Like, what did you start doing? Did you just go down that path, or were so you exploring other things? After that uh, maiden performance, you know, I was still practicing regularly, still getting better, trying to learn more. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when, when I was in like grade 8, around 13, mm-hmm. um, I took the next step in my career for mm-hmm. rhythm. And then mm-hmm. I ended up living in India for a couple of months. Wait, so you just moved there? I've always wanted to live in India because I knew that, that was a hub for Canadian music. Yeah, so yeah. if I wanted to become better, like... Wow, well, how old are you at this point? When you're... 13. You're 13. Yeah. This is a thing in South Asian cultures, mainly Tamil cultures, is that parents often use this as a threat. 
that if you misbehave, yeah. we're going to send you to India to go to school there or whatever it is. But for you, you wanted to go there. And yeah. that was like a calling for you to learn music there. Because like just watching videos on YouTube and like, you know, a lot of uh, the teachers that my uh, first teacher brought, yeah. you know, from India, like yeah. I would learn from there and I would gain so much wisdom and so much yeah. knowledge. I'm like, I had to go to India itself, like the hub, like the, where, uh, you know, began. I yeah. had to go and study the culture, study the the music itself. Right, right, right. Um, And this is... When that happened, and uh, my teacher at the time, Neville Vankadesh, yeah, he uh, allowed me to come to his house and pretty much have like a camp style training. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when he gave me the get go, gave yeah. me the go, and my parents gave me the go too, I'm like, you guys gotta send me. Yeah. And I know it was grade eight too. It was like you know the time I, I had to be in school so I can go to high school. Yeah, but it was just like. And December season, I left and in December. This is a this is again this is an opportunity that like most people either completely are baffled by or like just idolize because you have an opportunity to go to the home of where this music originated from to stay with a mentor someone that you truly idolize yeah. uh, and to do it at, at, at a time that's so pivotal in your own you know growth and development that kind of thing right mm-hmm. so you go there and this again you're 10 years old um, 13 sorry th- sorry 13 years old uh, you skip sort of the yeah, typical skip- route, route to high school <laughs> and you go to how long are you there in total so about three months Okay. So I left in December. Yeah. And again, as a parent, yeah. imagining sending off our kid for three months. Yeah. What was your parents' reaction? Were they more just proud and like, you know, ambitious for you or were I, they scared? My parents, you know, I love my parents to death. They've always given me the opportunity to, you know, to explore my talents and, right. really, you know, um, see where it could take me. Yeah. So I guess they always knew how passionate I was compared right. to other uh, kids that are learning it, right? And yeah. Like, I'm the type of... And like when I want something, like I'll yeah. make sure I get it somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like I'm persistent. Yeah. So I would always nag them. Yeah. Like just like over the years since I did my language, I'm like, yeah. please, I'm up. Just take me to India. Right? Yeah. Come yeah. with me. You know, yeah, like, so yeah. even for a week or a month, like I want yeah. to be there. Like, yeah. And then when the opportunity came, and with my teacher, and he's like, yeah, you know, come, I'll teach you. You can yeah. stay in my place. Yeah, yeah. But I knew everything was fixed. They're like, okay. Because they couldn't take time off of work too. It was right, hard after right. three months. So they they met up with me after. They right. came in like a month in after. But yeah, initially I went by myself. So it was it was scary because yeah. going to the airport, it was my first time, you yeah. know, an airplane by myself. So we actually This had, is your first time traveling overseas by yourself? I went to India when I was around six. But not by yourself, right? No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is with my religious yeah. uh, class to do like a play. Yeah. But this is my first time going by myself. Right. You know, and I'm still young. Yeah. So my parents were obviously scared. Yeah. So, so, uh, so you're 13 years old. You're traveling to this place. First time traveling alone and to India, mm-hmm. no less. Yeah. Um, what's your first impressions getting off that plane? Was it a sense of uh, overwhelming or was it more like I'm going to follow my dreams and like this is just one step along? Like what was that? Inner thoughts. It was like a, a breath of fresh air. Like, you know, when people talk about India, just like, you know, uh, very polluted, a yeah, lot of people. But yeah. I didn't, I look past all that. Because, like, for me, it's like, as soon as I step down, like, I can already feel the music. Yeah. I can already hear the music. You know, yeah. it's like, it's so rich there. Like, yeah. people just live and breathe music there. Especially wow. kind of music. And I'm like, this is the type of environment I want to flourish in. You know, right. I feel like, you know, it's within yeah. me. So I, and then, uh, my teacher's house was right by the airport. So it was like literally five minutes away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A place called Pallav. Yeah. So I went there and uh, luckily he had a really nice house too. Yeah, yeah. So it wasn't like you had to sit down toilets or like, you yeah, had, yeah, you know, a nice washroom. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm, and I'm just imagining like, you know, karate kid with Mr. Miyagi at this moment. Yeah. Like you're just going through this experience where you're there with your master, your mentor, going through this experience. Um, was there any point in time where you thought that maybe you weren't cut out for this or was the entire experience going as expected? Um, it was more than I imagined it to be. Right. 
there were like there's always times that you doubt yourself right yeah and for me going at a young age like i i would doubt myself when i was put in positions where i would be accompanying with my teacher right. so he would be putting me on stage with other big artists right who i look at from yeah. youtube yeah, yeah, yeah over here so now i'm performing with these guys yeah. at a young age yeah so because i play another uh variety uh, variety, uh, variety of other drums so right one of them is called the kenjira so right snake skin yeah so i would be accompanying him when he would go on tours and stuff right right, right. so that was like overwhelming for me gotcha. but it taught me that you know you got to be thrown in the fire sometimes. Yeah, you know? yeah, that's how you grow. That was my first taste of th- getting thrown in the fire. Like, and you know what? I, I, I love the fact that it happened to you at a young age because I almost feel like at that age, you don't have that self-doubt as much as you would if you were like later in your teens or I in guess. your 20s. In your 20s, yeah. you're like crippled by your own anxieties. Yeah. But at 13, 14, it feels like you almost don't have time for it. You're just going to go and do it and do what you're told to do. Yeah, because like, it was crazy because I didn't think of anything else, right? Yeah. Like, I wasn't in school. Yeah. I pretty much woke up at 8 a.m. to yeah. the sound of my teacher practicing. Right. Came downstairs. You had the milkman who came, gave you milk. Yeah. You had fresh bread. Yeah. I would have bread and jam every morning. Yeah. Milk. Same routine. Practice from 9 a.m. Yeah. 12, lunch. Yeah. Have lunch. Yeah. Take a breather. Practice from 1 till 4. Wow. Take a breather. Watch concerts at night. Yeah. In between, we'll do something fun or, you know, yeah, or yeah. jam sessions with other artists. For any kind of musician, regardless if you're into Carnatic music, classical music, whatever it may be, that sort of regimen is something that you would just look at and just be inspired by. Like to be able to wake up, have your meal there, and then get into the music. Have a lunch, and then get into the music. And then, you know what? To wind down, let's go watch other people play their music. Yeah, like, what an just, experience. That's what I'm saying. That's why I love it so much, right? It's like the perfect scenario for me at yeah, that yeah, age, yeah, you know? Yeah. And I imagine that at that age, it must have taught you a certain level of discipline as well. That for sure. this craft is going to take... A real conscious effort if you want to take it seriously. Yeah. Well, the discipline already started when I was practicing from Adding Gate Drum, you know? Right. I was like, you got to practice every day. Yeah. Two hours a day. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I was doing that at that age. But now I'm doing it times 10 when I'm here. I'm right. practicing like eight hours a day. But it doesn't feel like practice because you're just jamming. Yeah. You don't even notice at the time. I'm not even looking at the time. Yeah. Like, I'm like, shit, it's already been eight hours. That's yeah. what it felt like every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it was um, fun. And, you know, you go there, you're there for three months. You have this amazing experience. Mm-hmm. And then now you have to come back. Um, what was that experience coming back? Because I want to talk about not just musically, but you as a person. Um, and the reason I ask you this is, you know, I went to South Asia for what I felt like it was a long time, like okay. six weeks. Okay. And I felt like I was in culture shock when I came back at a, at a young age to come back. You just feel like the world has moved on without you in a way. Your friends have grown up. Yeah. You went through something even more intense than that. So when you come back, you now have to join high school, mm-hmm. right? What was that experience like? It was... It was sad to leave India. Like, I remember I was, like, crying and shit. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to leave. Because yeah. I met a lot of uh, friends there, too. Yeah, like, you, other, you made other, relationships that you... Yeah, would, yeah, relationship connections, other musicians from other parts of the world. Right. I had a friend called Mahin who could tell from South Africa wow. to learn Carnatic music. Wow. And he was one the, uh, one of my friends who I would be jamming with during my practice sessions. Yeah, yeah. So leaving all that behind, and it's like, okay, now I got to go back. I got to go back to the school system here, yeah. which I'm not even enjoying because yeah. all I want to do is music yeah. and specifically Mridangam. Yeah. Uh, and the culture here too, it's not the same, right? Yeah. Here, uh, life is so fast paced. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. our parents are working. Everyone's working. Everyone's trying mm-hmm. to get something, which is mm-hmm. good, but it's like, people, I feel like a lot of people don't take time to just breathe and like yeah. really do what they want. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So I knew that coming back. Yeah. But it was good because I was still a little homesick. It was good to come back to family. I'm a very family guy. Yeah. But yeah, it was hard to adapt. Like it took me almost like a month to yeah. really get back into the routine. And what was your goal sort of once you've arrived here, right? I mean, you're in your, you know, sort of pivotal years in your own personal development, yeah. right? So what are you thinking now? Are you just going to become a professional at that time? I'm saying 
a professional Carnatic player, or were you looking at other things? Yeah. When I came back, my next goal was, okay, when can I go back again and gotcha. conquer all of India? Gotcha. Become a professional Brazilian player, the best Tamil Brazilian player there is. Right, you know? right, right, right. Um, but then I also wanted to conquer everything here. Yeah. Like show everyone what I've learned and like, look, guys, you know, I, I, I'm coming back with all this knowledge. Yeah. So I wanted to have all the concerts, all the, do as many performances as I can just to yeah. show off my talents. And like, yeah, yeah. Not to just like show it off, but to, like, look, I'm so passionate. Like, I want to show what I've yeah, learned, yeah. you know? So, oh, yeah, well, I mean, I think this with any artist is yeah. the ability to perfect something, master something, or get close to it, and then share that passion and love through other people so that they can experience and get some sort of joy out of it. Exactly. Um, but I imagine, like, there was some sort of uh, fork in the road or switching point where you start to look at, you know, Western music, hip-hop, mm-hmm. R&B, uh, blues, all this kind of stuff, and that starts to call to you a little bit. Yeah. When does that start to happen? I guess, like, when I got into high school, Yeah. that's when Drake was on the come-up. Right, you know, right, best right. I ever had came out. I was yeah, hearing yeah. a lot of Drake and a lot of my. This is like two thousand six, two thousand. Yeah, and a lot of my, a lot of my friends were bumping a lot of hip hop music. Yeah, out, uh, and living in Scarborough, you're exposed to a lot of music, especially oh, yeah. hip hop too. Of course. So whenever like, and I was uh, out of my boys, I was the first guy to get my license. Right. So if you came in my car, Uh-oh. you would have the South Indian classical CDs, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be playing that, bumping it, you yeah. know, my windows down. they be like, "What the hell is this? Turn that shit down." Blast Drake, blast whatever's on the radio. Right. And the, at first, I'm like, I was very like, nah, mm-hmm. I'm not, I don't want to hear this shit. Yeah. But then the more and more I heard it, the more I started listening to the rhythmic patterns. Yeah. Of like, you know, the kick and the snares. Yeah. Behind, so I'm like, okay, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get because I come from a rhythmic background, so I can really. So more than the lyrics themselves, it was what the music was saying. The production that yeah. kind of like it was planted like, a seed inside of you. Yeah, it was like uh, I kept listening to it more, and I'm like, yeah. you know, maybe I can do this myself. So that's what you thought. So when you heard this stuff, you yeah. were like breaking them down and then you were thinking how you would compose yeah. and arrange them. Because a lot of the patterns were similar to like how I'm thinking about patterns with Mirinaga. Right. You know? Right. Like the same type of rhythm, right? Right, right. Like, oh my God. And then I started putting two and two together. I'm like, what if I tried fusing both? Right, right, right. And that's when the new colleague came. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's when I... What age were you at this point? Uh, Probably around like Grade 11. Grade 11. It's when okay. I first started th- like accepting more of other genres. So like 16, yeah. 17, I, I, up, up, up until that point, I was very narrow-minded to just Indian classical music. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I started opening up my range to other genres. Gotcha. Started with hip-hop and R&B and then I started being more open-minded. Right, right, right. Because I started analyzing everything else. I'm like, okay, where did this come from? Really, yeah. You know? Yeah. And st- studying the histories of other genres of music. Gotcha. But it wasn't until I got to um, my first year of university at Laurier. Yeah. That's when I it hit me, you know, I'm like, okay, let me try actually putting this to work. Okay. okay. So as a young musician, you're going to your first year of university, you've now taken your Carnatic music, you've got so, so amazing at this, mm-hmm. and you fall, you're starting to fall in love with hip-hop, R&B, all this kind of sounds, and you're thinking about putting it together. Um, I want to talk about like gear and software, yeah. uh, because, you know, people watching this or hearing this, I'm sure there's other people like, okay, where do I start? Yeah. What did you go out and, you know, procure or get or buy, whatever it may be, to start making your actual music? Yeah, so it's crazy. Um, at the time, I was working with uh, another artist at the time, mm-hmm. and he was working on FL. Gotcha. Um, Fruity Loops. Fruity Loops. Yeah. So I would be going to his house. I imagine them. everyone in their early, uh, the 90s, not 90s, but like the early 2000s was pirating Fruity Loops because I think everyone thought they were a producer and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But you you actually picked that up and that was your first sort of software well, exposure. Well, it was more to... like I was watching him. 
produce. Oh, and I was, like, so. we, I would just like help him out with samples or like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. patterns. Yeah. But then I had a MacBook, right. a MacBook Air. Yeah. I couldn't have, a, you couldn't download that for a lot at okay. that time. So I got Ableton. Okay. Ableton Live or? Ableton Live. Gotcha. At that time it was like eight point something. So yeah. Ableton Live and like it looked really, it's, people say it's a little bit more intricate, like the software. Yeah. When you look at it, the yeah. interface compared to other um, DAWs. Right. But yeah, I'm like, this is all I had. I, I had to start it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just rolled with it. Kept watching tutorials of the tutorials. Kept experimenting. Yeah. And then, yeah. So Ableton was the first software that I gotcha. downloaded. And just till this day, that's what I'm producing. Mixing. So you're still working on Ableton. Ableton that's how you, yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then from that experience, you're just essentially stripping other stems from like other sounds and putting them together. How much of it? What, and I, started, again, I'm talking back when you were at Laurier, like when okay. you were going into this. So think, what was your process? So when I first started producing, it wasn't when I was at Laurier. It's when oh, I, sorry. So I went to Laurier. That's yeah. when I first got the idea of like, let me try doing ah, this, right? Okay, gotcha, gotcha. I went to Laurier for economics. And when I realized I didn't want to do economics, I tried getting into the music program at Laurier. Yeah. So they have a, uh, an orchestra. Right. But I tried getting in with my middle so I was able to get an audition with the Dean of Music yeah. with my middle of them, right. hoping that maybe I can bring this into the orchestra and find a way, right? Yeah, yeah, Unfortunately, things didn't work out. Yeah. Um, so then uh, he was like, maybe you should try going to York right. for the World Music Program. Right. I'm like, fuck that. Okay, yeah. so then when I dropped out of Laurier, my yeah. parents like, you still need to do music. Yeah. Or I want you to give me a diploma or something in music. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. okay. And at that time, I heard about Travis. Yeah. The, uh, and I heard about their audio engineering program. Gotcha. It's around this time, that summer yeah. after I dropped out, was when I got Ableton and I really started um, trying to produce. Right, right, right. And around the same time is when I really tried using, uh, like, mixing Carnatic with modern hip hop and R&B. Gotcha. So first gotcha. I learned, like, the drums. There's, I mean, there's so much happening here. Like, you literally go to university for yeah. a program that you have, like, no real connection to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you have the courage to just, you know, drop out, so to speak, because you didn't, it didn't fit your vision, that, that kind of thing. And your parents actually supported you through this. And they said, yeah, listen, they've... we need you to get something. If it's music, whatever it is, get something. Yeah. And you found Trevis and you're going there for the audio engineering. And this is when you're like, okay, I can mix in my education mm-hmm. with this new interest I have of exactly. arranging and composing music. And this is when you started putting it together. And yeah, building. and then at, around this time, I really st- started studying artists like Missy Elliott. Right. And producers like Timbaland. Right. Because when I heard, like, Get Your Freak On. Yeah, like, yeah. I always... and, they, and Timbaland was known to take sounds from, like, all over the world, especially India. And, like, yeah. I guess maybe some of the popular sounds. Yeah. But in any way, try to he mix that. He was the first person I saw use that, right? And yeah. really And create hit records out of that. Yeah, yeah. Like, when I heard the tabla roll in Get Your Freak On. I heard that, I'm like, holy shit. This is exactly the idea I had with Mirilanga. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, this guy did it with a tabla. Yeah. And like till this day, I'm bumping Missy Elliott in any room. People are still jumping. Yeah, in. Like, yeah. They came in and really revolutionized the game. Right. So the same way how I want to revolutionize Mirdangam back before. Yeah. Now I'm like, okay, how can I revolutionize hip hop? Yeah. With Mirdangam and like all this culture I have. Right, right, right. So, but then I'm like, then I started thinking. I'm like, wait, I never heard a Tamil sample. Yeah. Because like in a hit record, yeah. hip hop record. Yeah. I never heard a Mirdangam. I never heard a Kendra, a Gautam, a Morsing, a Nalaswaram. Yeah. Carnatic violin. Right. All these instruments that I was exposed to that I know. You don't you know, see it in mainstream music. You don't see it in mainstream. I'm like, okay, maybe I can be that guy. I've always wanted to make an impact in music, right? Yeah. Before, it was just strictly yeah. something classical. Now, the vision became bigger. Right. Now, it's like, okay, I can impact more people. There's probably other people that want to do what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? But mm-hmm. let me try it, okay? Mm-hmm. There has to be someone who... Like, you want to mix these passions of yours, but more of it is to show what, you know, this whole history, this rich history, expose it to the world and really make a dent 
in music itself, yeah, in music like, history itself. The same way Mr. Elliot Timberland came and they put a new dent, I want to create my own dent. Right, and create right. a whole new movement of artists, South Asian artists coming up, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in mainstream, yeah. mainstream pop, mainstream hip hop, right, not right. all genres, right? right? So it starts with hip hop for me. So when I started fusing and actually started experimenting, and then the product eventually was coming out, yeah. a new obsession came. And yeah. this is my new obsession. So yeah, the same yeah. passion I had with them, now I'm just channeling it through this. Right, right, right. And that's when I first released my first project called My Dreams Manifested. Yeah. I finished school and then that was my first attempt right. at putting it out to the world. Right, it's, right. All, it's obviously very, it's, it's nerve-wracking. Yeah. At first, because I always used to think it was a stupid idea. I'm like, no one's ever going to do this. Yeah. This is not going to be popular. Yeah. You know, when you first have the well, idea. Well, creators are almost riddled with all this self-doubt. And I, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up because I want to get there too is how did you deal with that? Because as you're going through this and you're building the music and all this kind of stuff, whether you're a photographer, an audio engineer, or whatever, a painter for that matter, mm-hmm. you're at some point, if you are a true artist, mm-hmm. you are just crippled with doubt at some point. And you're just doubting yourself and wondering if this is the best version. You have like maybe 50 versions in front of you and you just don't know. How do you navigate that kind of internal conflict and struggle? Like what do you sort of do or think about to kind of get you through that and eventually put out your work? It's tough. Like, we all have our inner demons that talk to us, right? Mm-hmm. But for me, it was, I was always supported by the right people. So people that would give me feedback. So when they gave me feedback about music, like they, did, they didn't like something, they went back to my production, mm-hmm. did it again, and showed it, it sounds better. Okay, now I know what to do. Right. What, and then... So for you, it was really surrounding yourself with that right network of yeah, people. Yeah, right network. That I trusted, right? People's judgment. Right. Um, and for me, I guess, I knew how far I came in rhythm mm-hmm. because I was so passionate. You right. Know? It's not like I was forced to practice. Right. I practiced. I went on my own, went on YouTube, yeah. watched other people, other rhythm players, adapted their techniques, yeah. put it into mine. It was the same thing. Right. I tried some new techniques. Yeah, yeah. It worked. People yeah. noticed it, right? So I'm like, okay, if I can do that in that, why can't I do it here? Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm the type of guy, I, I always be watching TED Talks. I'm watching documentaries right. at that time just to learn about other uh, creators who are successful yeah, right? and, and how story. they became successful. It's all the same, same shit, man. Yeah, yeah. They had a vision. They stuck with it. Yeah. Yes. Like even Kanye West, you know, so many times like, yo, I used to make the shittiest beats. Yeah. He kept making it, right? Eventually yeah. you fine tune it. And the more you fine tune it, you show the people, mm-hmm. you end up realizing what works and what doesn't. This is just fundamental understanding of just like refining your craft and just keep putting out things and eventually you'll get yeah. there. And you need those bad days too yeah. to create those uh, good days. Like yeah, there's so yeah. many times, there's, there, was, there, there would be days where I'd be making beats all day. I'm like, I don't like any of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then the next morning I'll be waking up. Yeah. I'll wake up and create another rhyme. Like this is the one. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I look back now, I'm like, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be the artist that I am today yeah, if yeah. I didn't have all those uh, experiences. You know? yeah, and it's something we talk about and we mentioned some other shows is that you need the bad times and the struggle in your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you, you, know, you can appreciate the good times. But also I think that builds the character. Exactly. For who you should be during the good times mm-hmm. and you know, and what you're capable of doing in your good times and that kind of thing too, right? So let's talk about you're now, you know, graduating out of Trevis, you have all this sort of, uh, you know, uh, knowledge, you know, that you've built up over the years yeah. and this new sort of technical training around arranging music, right? Mm-hmm. And you're putting out music at this point. Yeah. I've listened to your catalog a lot, you know, over the Thank last you. few months, right? And, you know, I was, it was Vic Nash, one of the producers of the whole Risky Fox told me about the, the stuff that you're doing. And it's hard not to witness these, uh, I guess you could say, South Asian sonic threads, speci- specifically to Tamil culture, yeah. that you weave into typical hip-hop, R&B kind of sounds. Mm-hmm. Like, you see that there. For someone that's never heard it before, it sounds completely new. 
right? To you know, to a degree. Uh, but for someone that's coming from you know a Tamil background or a South Asian background, you hear it and you're like, I've never heard it this way before. It's like almost like I've ne- never tasted a recipe mixed like this before. Yeah. So where do you begin when you're producing a beat or you know that 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 sort of fundamental uh, piece that's going to go over a track? Where do you, where do you start? So I go off a of vibe, right? So whatever I'm feeling that day. But a lot of I'm a very sample heavy sample based producer, right? And the reason for that is because I love taking a piece of music, but that's like where the adventure starts, chopping it up, rearranging it, creating a new melody out of it. Right. It's like it's like it's fun, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a little kid playing with Lego blocks, trying to put something together, right? Yeah. Um, but for me specifically, it would be with like Tamil film music or like right. current examples, songs that I grew up loving. Yeah. I'm like, okay, why do I love it so much? Okay, let me take the piece I really love. Yeah. Let me try bringing a new light. So that's where you begin. You start looking back yeah. at the things that spoke to you. And then you try to pull from there and then start dissecting yeah. things. So like the, the things that speak to me the most. Yeah. So like in my song, uh, Get It. You know? yeah, like, yeah. I, I love the four bar loops that like when I hear a song, okay, I'm closing my eyes. I'm like, what hits me? Yeah. I'll pick those points. Yeah. And those are the points that I chop. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Once I chop it, I'll rearrange it, pitch it down, add effects. Still, in a way where like, you can still hear it. Yeah. So people that know the sample, it's like reminiscent for that. And this is what it is. What I love about your music is that when you actually look at, you know, the, if you, listen, anyone, go to Spotify, search up Janssen, and you look under popular uploads. And if you're coming from that Tamil background, if you go through the songs, you know, for someone my age, it's like, you've literally like encapsulated these formative songs in my youth in these four bars. And you stretched it into this composition that's just like totally new, a new way of hearing it in a way, right? So how do you decide which one gets, you know, short of showtime and which one doesn't? Like, how do you decide? It's all trial and error, man. Like, it's been three years of me trying this, you know? Right. Seeing what sample, like, there's been so many samples that I've tried, but like, it doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work all the time. Right. Now it's like, okay, when I hear melody, I know. And I guess that's what people don't see is the ones that don't work. Yeah. There's so this- how many times do you have to go through... I guess if you had to throw a number yeah. percentage, how many times did you kind of go through this process of like trying out different sounds before you find one that really sticks? When I first started, like probably like 50-50. Yeah. And then the times I, I would, you know, you have, you hear the sound, but then you add the drums and it doesn't feel right. Right. Or you feel like you're overdoing one part. Yeah. And that was a hard thing for me to yeah. find the right balance. Because yeah. I don't want to overdo the sampling and then yeah. overdoing the hip hop. Yeah. And it's like, okay, there isn't the right balance. Right, now right. I feel like I'm at a point where like I found the right balance. Right. I'm like, okay, not using too much of the thumb sample or whatever sample I use. Yeah. But then incorporating right amount. Um, and, and this is the one thing is that, you know, I, I love experiencing music. And I love just trying, almost like I feel like I talk about it as if it's food. But trying different things and exposing mm-hmm. myself to different cultures and that kind of stuff. Um, you'll find often that, like you said, there's a, there's a mismatch. There's an imbalance, so to speak where certain sounds are not in full, you know, I guess you could say symbiosis with the other sound itself. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your process to finding that? And I, I don't know, feel free to get technical. And okay. if I have questions, I'll ask you about it. But how do you arrange a melody to like a baseline that you find in like, you know, ATL, trap music, whatever it may be, so that it has that symbiosis? I guess like with the melodies that I choose for my samples, like I already know, okay, this will feel right with this type of 808 that I have. Right. This will feel right with this type of drum kit, you know? Right. I've, like, you know, it, now in my head, like, when I go to filter, like, I know what the hell to filter out samples. Right, right, right. I'm not going to, unless I'm put on spots, like, okay, do this. Yeah, yeah, Then I'll do my best to work what I have. Right. Now right. when I'm going through stuff, like, sometimes I'll have, like, an hour where I'm just going through samples. But right. there's certain ones. You I'll always start with the melody first and that sort of, the, the melodic, sample? The most melodic part of the sample. Like, right. something that's not rich with, like, drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But more of, like, the vocals. Yeah, right, right, it's, right. Like, you know, something that I, I know 
it's not too busy. Yeah. Where I can really. And, and I think it was uh, 12 or 1 a.m. Like I was listening to that and then, you know, that was like you took someone's vocals mm-hmm. and made that the melody. Yeah, like 12 or 1. That was, it's like, a, it's like <laughs> a, a lullaby, a baby lullaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So tell me about, okay, again, 12 or 1 a.m. Check it out on Spotify. Tell me about the process of coming uh, up to that specifically. That's, man, that beat is like every, uh, for, so the project I released two years ago, um, Yours True EP, every yeah. song, every song always has a message of something that I went to personally. Yeah. At that moment, uh, it's crazy. I didn't even, that wasn't even supposed to be in my project. I made that beat for someone else. Right. There's a person, he's like, I want you to sample the song for me. My yeah. friend is sick. Right. And she likes the song. Yeah. If you can sample it and make it for me. Yeah. You know, I would be more than happy. Right. And I'd be willing to pay you for it. Yeah. Long story short, he ended up paying me for it. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, things didn't work out, but I really like the beat. Yeah. And then it just flowed with the whole project. And I'm like, I, as a producer, artist, like, I really want to showcase my production too. Right. So I'm like, you don't hear many products where you just have all the songs. Yeah. Then you have like an interlude in the middle where it's just the music itself. Yeah. With yeah. no uh, vocals. Yeah. So yeah. I just would be nice. Yeah. And I, th- I literally made it at like 12 or 1 a.m. or something like that. I mean, yeah. That's where the, uh, why I named it that. And like, I pictured myself walking at night, like at 12 or 1 a.m. Yeah. And yeah, so I had that lullaby, um, sampled it, pitched it down, kept it simple, but yeah. it's like, the vibe is the feeling was so beautiful. It's like yeah, yeah. Really, sometimes it's better just not touch it like too much. Right. Just add the right amount. Right, also right. separates. I feel like an amateur producer to like a pro. You know, the, right. you know, less is more. Right, right, right. And the, that's and the that ability feels, to say no yeah. in certain ways. Yeah. And it's hard too because you have so many tools. And yeah, so much things you can uh, fuck around with. And then yeah, I made that beat. Yeah, and I put it on tape, and I like, ended up with one of the favorites for a lot of people. Yeah, but that's yeah. how that beat actually came along. Yeah, amazing. And you know, we talked about it briefly, but the idea that certain songs come from certain experiences in your life and things being very personal to you. Um, I want to talk about uh, what was a moment in your life that was truly that you would say like a struggle that you had to go through that was really tough times, mm-hmm. and what song or piece came out of that. And I'm, I'm sure you've been through a lot, so maybe I've just been pick a lot, one. But, but yeah, a big moment would have been for the song "No One." Yeah, the first song off my year show EP. Yeah, that song's pretty much about how you know in high school. Yeah, I was um, homeless for a little bit. Yeah. In the sense as in like was kicked out of the house I grew up in. Yeah, based on like some fraud shit. Yeah, and that like pretty like took a toll on me and my family. Obviously, I'm like because at that moment I'm like, why is this happening to me? Yeah, like, you know. I don't see my friends going through shit like this. Yeah, like, you know? yeah. And like, I felt like I really had to mature Yeah. in that moment. And that's when a grind, like I always had a grind, a passion, but I'm like, it took it to that next level. I'm like, yeah, I and never want to be... And, and here's the thing. Some people that, that think they know you or see your work, they might think that you were silver spoon and like everything was like perfect throughout your lifetime. It's like, no, like there were great times, but you went through a lot of struggles and a lot of challenges that you had to navigate on your own. Yeah, like the man I am today, the artist I am today is all based on my experiences. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be the artist that I am right now if it wasn't for the experiences. And these experiences taught me, you know, a lot of my, my self, self-development, yeah. how, you know, I want to be growing up, you know? Yeah. But that moment was like the first like hard roadblock. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I need to get through this. Yeah. Me and my family had to get through this. Yeah. And like it really taught me perseverance and like pushing through yeah. and like channeling that energy into something positive right right right, right. so at that moment i was channeling through obviously to my rhythm but then i'm uh, i started channeling that into my music production everything else yeah, yeah but yeah, yeah so no one is 
And that was the byproduct of this experience. Yeah. So like, as I, like I say, in all my songs, I talk about experiences that I go through, like indirectly or directly. You know? yeah, People yeah. that know me will know the story that like, if I told, uh, told them. Yeah. But that song specifically, that's why, like, that was one of my favorite songs. Yeah. Where I feel like it spoke to me the most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, wow. it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Wow. Um, and and as, as you've graduated, you're arranging music, you're going through life and all this kind of thing. What was your vision at a, at a micro level? Like, what were you looking to do as you have this dream of making a dent uh, in the music universe? Yeah. What was sort of your micro goals of like actually growing your craft and getting more professional? Finding a mentor. Okay. Finding people I could look up to. Because right. I knew the importance when I had my teacher in India, you know, in the three months. It's because I had a good teacher that I was able to grow exponentially, right? right so having right. a good mentor who... So very early on, you understood the value in having a, a good mentor. Yeah, for sure. You wow. need to learn from someone, but a good teacher, right? Yeah. It's easy to learn off a YouTube stuff, but when you're face-to-face with someone who can literally pass on their knowledge, like it's something I can't even explain. Right, right, right. So that was your dream is... Well, not dream, but your vision at that point in your life is to go out and find someone that can mentor you the same way that you had someone in your... Carnatic music, yeah, someone so that can actually show you the ropes and teach you the right things too. Mm-hmm. So where did that where did that lead you? So after I uh, finished finished Travis, I ended up uh, working with the rapper shout out to Slick Mason, mm-hmm. and then his friend shout out to Conwell was working with him, and he was getting developed for a company called the AMAC Collective. Gotcha. That's the uh, artist development company who I work with today as right. a producer and engineer. Gotcha. Um, and then, yeah, long story short, working with that company, I met a lot of, you know, really good people there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I met the engineer, lead engineer there, and then my business partner today, yeah. uh, slash mentor, yeah. uh, Mike T. Shout out to Mike T. Um, yeah, just going through the experiences and like really networking right, and building right. relationships with the people that I meet along the way. Right. Um, I didn't know the importance of networking back then. Yeah. Because I was a really shy kid. Yeah. Even in India, like to the people that I know, I built yeah, uh, yeah. a relationship with them. Then I'm, I opened up more. Yeah. Now I'm a lot more communicative. But yeah. it took some time. You know, I yeah. realized it's important. Yeah. You know, I am the business. Creators in general seem to be uh, predisposed to being introverts. Mm-hmm. You know, anyone that's in the creative discipline, yeah. it's almost you have to learn how to be an extrovert. Yeah. So how did you navigate that? How did you kind of teach yourself or coach yourself to be more? of an extrovert and to, you know, showcase your skills and to really sell yourself and speak for yourself. I guess I, I used to just sit in my basement and make beats all day. Yeah. And songs. I'm like, why is there no one ever calling me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. You make good beats. Why aren't people buying my beats? Right. Why doesn't people, anyone know my name? They know my name in, in uh, chronic, but not in like hip hop and stuff. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, what do I have to do? You got to go out there and fucking meet people. You yeah. got to get your name out there. You know, so what did you do? Like, how did you get better at that? Well, school helped when I went to Travis because I was exposed to so many different crea- uh, creatives. Okay. You know, and then watching a lot of interviews, people people would say, you know, I'll just pick these notes and like write it down. Like, okay. So really researching on how to be a better communicator. Yeah. How to actually sell your business. And talking to people who are in sales. Okay, how can you uh, sell yourself in, yeah. that, in that sense? Like, you know, be a, uh, at the end of the day, I want to build a career out of yeah, what yeah. I'm doing, right? Yeah. And I'm glad you mentioned it. And I don't know if you were going to mention this. So okay. For everyone watching or listening to this, this was not uh, planned. Because we mentioned it, or I mentioned it on a couple of shows as well. It's an ongoing thread. And when people ask me, is like, what can I do as a young creator mm-hmm. uh, to better my ability so I can be successful? Is learn sales skills. Yeah, it's so important. Like, when I get, like, these 12 to 16-year-olds asking, I'm like, get a job in sales. Mm-hmm. Preferably one that pays you on commission where yeah. your livelihood is, you know, kind of rooted in that. 
and you will automatically build these transferable skills that will aid you in your creative uh, career. Because I feel like, you know, once you're creative, you kind of know what to do to get better at that space. But I'm saying most creatives just want to do the creative part. Exactly. They don't want to focus on the business side, which exactly. is just as important, you know? And it's sometimes, fortunately or unfortunately, it's more important. Yeah. You know, in that, in that kind of story. So you really went down the rabbit hole of perfecting that. And that's what got you to be more of an extrovert and speak to your craft. Exactly. And like it helped having like mentors who are, you know, specialized in obviously the business. True, true, so true. So can teach me the business ropes. Right. Um, but yeah, it's so important. Yeah. And I feel like little, it's every uh, person that I meet in the industry, I just take everything, little, little things from them and yeah. just apply it to my own self. Yeah. And, and yeah. part of your story, like 20, the end of 2016 to like 2017, to now, mm-hmm. that seems to be like the most, uh, and I, I don't want to diminish yeah. everything that happened before that, but it seems to be the most of an exponential growth for you in terms of the things that have happened to you, mm-hmm. both good and bad, and also the type of work that you found yourself in, the niche space that you've carved out for yourself, yeah. and sort of you actually, you know, having a clear-cut, almost blueprint mm-hmm. to where you want to go. So take me to like 2017, 2018, sorry, 2016, 2017. Um, you had a pretty traumatic incident happen to you. Yeah, that you that, another traumatic incident happened to me around uh, that time. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, pretty much ended up getting. I got a new car. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I can drive to the studio in Waterloo. Yeah. Uh, long story short, ended up getting a car crash. Yeah. Um, had to go through a shit ton of you know yeah. lawyer fees, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But that really taught me in that moment that okay, shit's hitting the fan right now. Yeah. You still have a goal. You still have a vision. Yeah. It's, you can't let this. And, and you. you know, this is an accident that you know could have either taken your life, but even as a small part, even like damaged you in a way that you may not have been able to pursue your music. Yeah, like luckily coming out unscathed. So that's luckily, good. yeah, like um, everything worked out. But yeah, what's, what's going through your mind at this point in in, the, in these weeks and months? You know, at the crash, after the crash, like how how did you process? Like, I'm that? always watching videos on successful people, right? And they'll tell their stories about their experience, but I can really relate because I haven't been through it by yeah. myself. So when that actually happened, I was like, fuck, this is actually happening to me. Yeah. How am I going to get out of this? Because it's like, okay, one side is you need money to yeah. get out of this. Other yeah. side is I don't have a car to travel. The, tra- like, the, I really value the, the luxury of having a car. A car is to help me get places, navigate places faster, yeah. to help me with my music business. Yeah. So now I'm back to using the bus. It's going to take me longer. Yeah. And now the mindset's like, all over the place because like yeah. you know plus you have all these fees that you need to pay and take care of all this stuff Yeah, for, so you have more responsibilities yeah and you have less of an easy way of getting them done yeah and now i have opportunities to go out to a place like miami yeah a place like greece i'm like shit how am i going to be able to afford all of these yeah things? like all these open uh, opportunities are yeah. opening up and you can't even think about that because i'm like i gotta focus on this first yeah but then i think that's when the grind really like went to like Super Saiyan. What were you three. doing? What were you doing? I love when you use that Super Saiyan yeah. term because like I used to, yeah I used I'm blaming the things I used to watch. I used to watch. Uh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And you know even in like our behind the scenes chat like yeah. we we joke about that kind of embodying that sort of energy and that persona going Super Saiyan whatever it is to get the job done. What did you do to get the job done? What were you doing? Yeah, at this point? I was working a part time job. I got. I mean, where are you working part time? I, I think was, people that want when they hear the origin story yeah. of Janssen, they want to know what are you what, doing? working part time at Best Buy. Yeah. Used to work at Best Buy in Bain Dundas. Bain Dundas. Okay. Like, shout out to the Best Buy. At yeah, Bain shout Dundas. out to Best Buy. Like, I learned so much. Who's your manager there? Uh, right now. No. Who was the at the time? At the time, or the general manager was the Rahul. I I know him actually. Oh no! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think he just had his 16th anniversary. This is getting into some real like behind the scenes nerd talk. <laughs> okay, okay. So that was your general manager at yeah, the time. Yeah. So like 
it's crazy. Like, um, I love my time there because yeah. uh, I got a part-time job right when I got a Travis. Yeah. Like, okay, now I need to. Um... Were you in the digital audio section? Like... No, I was in the front. I'm the guy who would, if you walk in, I'm like, okay, can I check your receipt? How are oh, you? Oh, gotcha. Meanwhile, I'm playing my music in the back. Gotcha. I had control of the music. So yeah. I'm playing my new songs, displaying to see, to see how the customers would react. Right, right. So, so you're the loss prevention guy, checking the receipts, yeah, and, it's, and you're at the aux cable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. I'm always an aux cable guy, or yeah. the speaker guy, and I'll be a customer service going back and forth. Wow. But I really looked at this as an opportunity to network here too, because like, yeah. okay, there's only one best buy in the heart of downtown. Yeah. Famous people are always coming here. Yeah. I have control of the music when I'm at the front. So, so why smart. not take the opportunity to network yeah. and still, you know? So smart. Yeah. And it's good. I'm selling too. And then for those that don't know, again, the Best Buy at uh, downtown Toronto, like this is the one that's like almost like a flagship it store. It is the flagship store. They, so, have, so, they have artists and events and pop-up yeah, experiences all the time. They have the, the most time. revenue, the most traffic, yeah. like your box and everything's crazy. Yeah. So that really taught me a lot of like discipline working there yeah. and sales again, yeah. you know? And to give some context, I worked at Best Buy for oh, years and years and years oh, okay. and managed and all that kind of stuff. So we're going to nerd out a little bit on the, oh, okay. on the blue uniforms here a little bit. Uh, but going through that experience, um, what were some skills that you learned in that position of you know, sales and dealing with people that you were transferring to your craft here? Man, patience. Mm. Like if you're dealing with a shitty customer yeah. and you know, they're having a bad day, they're putting that energy on you. It's yeah. not like you're going to yell at them back. And be like, okay, take your cat. You yeah. gotta learn how to deal with that. And same way, when I'm in the studio, I'm a producer now. You know, I gotta be able to handle the room, handle yeah. the session. So if I'm in a session with an artist, and like, you know, uh, for some reason they're coming, they're moving or something, I gotta be able to turn that around or yeah, be patient yeah. with it, right? Yeah. So that patience is a big thing. Huge, huge, yeah. huge. But yeah, going back to Best Buy, like, yeah. okay, I was working part time, got a full time job, so I can cover the fees right. for my car accident, yeah. and I'm still going to the studio. I'm still trying to build up my studio here. Yeah. So I literally called out the wild beast inside of me and went ham. Yeah. And like, it was tough. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. a lot of two-hour nights, four-hour yeah. nights. Yeah. I was doing it for, like... No time with friends. No time with family. Yeah. You're missing birthday parties. You're missing all these yeah, like, events. Uh, for the last two years, I've literally killing myself. That's why yeah. now I'm taking the time to really, you know, relax when I can. Yeah. Take time to sleep better. Take care of my body. You know, it's yeah. really important because you're not going to be efficient in a studio or wherever, right? And, you know, this is the thing. I talk to a, a bunch of creators or aspiring creators. And one of the things I ask them is, what are you prepared to sacrifice? What are you willing to give up to see this thing through? And, you know, usually in that you can find out, you know, you can separate the wheat from the chaff, so to speak, yeah. of who's really going to be cut out for it and who isn't. Yeah. Because it takes a certain level of, uh, of sacrifice and self-sacrifice in a way to truly make great things. Everyone can make good things. I think, I think 90% of the people in the world can make something good, yeah. objectively speaking. But most people don't pay attention to good. It's great. And to make that, it takes a lot of sacrifice, right? So to hear you kind of go through that, it kind of speaks to how good, you know, how great your work is right now. Like, because it, you had to kind of go through the ringer. Mm -hmm. Is this something that there's still uh, sort of threads happening now? Or you've kind of passed this point in your life where you've taken care of those things and now you can look forward at what you're doing? Well, I still have my big goals. Right. You're always going to have new, new goals. So when you reach the old ones, you set new, bigger course, ones, right? So I have a certain set of goals that I'm trying to reach right now. I'm always at a better place now, you know? I'm actually making money from my music business, you know? Yeah. I'm trying to have a full-time income from this now. Yeah, yeah. I've created a network for myself. I have a fan base now. Yeah. People who associate my name with a producer that samples double music and blends it well, yeah. you know? Yeah. People still know me as, you know, a really good rhythm player. So, yeah. like, I'm, I'm glad that all the work I put in in the past three years is, yeah. like, it's showing now. I'm yeah. a better artist. I'm a better producer. Yeah. But now it's like, okay, let me hit the mainstream. What's, your, me... advice, what's your advice? And I'm sorry to cut you off, but, like, because I want to get to your 
aspirations and goals right now. But what's your advice to young creators, especially creators that are in the audio space, and they want to kind of follow your path in a way, uh, whether it's through singing, rapping, or producing music? What would be your advice to them, like really technically speaking, to get better and to get into the space and like you, making an actual living from it? Man, build a network early. Like while you're training yourself to become better at your craft, yeah. go out there and talk to people. Like, you know, right. especially we're living in a city where it's like the most multicultural city in the world, they say, yeah, right? Yeah. And see if you can find a niche market for yourself. Like, right. And how, uh, one of my teachers is like, okay, you, you can always be better than someone or you can be different. Mm. But it's really hard to be better than someone, especially in a music game. Mm-hmm. It's so, so oversaturated with so many different types of artists. Of course. So it's like, how can you set yourself apart from the next producer, A, B, Z? That's why I'm like, okay, for me, that's why I'm like, okay, let me try doing this because it hasn't been done before right. at the level that I, I want. Really? And again, mixing parts of you and your story and your yeah. history into this. Like, no one can be you. Like, you know, I, when I say you, I'm talking about you literally. And then for the people that are listening to this, no one can be you. You yeah. are you and that is what it is. And you are you based on your inspirations, like, you know? Yeah. But there's, when people tell me, I want to sound like Michael Jackson. I want to sound like Travis Scott. I want to be like that. I'm like, yo, there's... Already a Travis Scott has already been Michael Jackson. Yeah. Why do you want to be like someone else? Okay, take their influences. Yeah. Research about who they learn from, where they get their influences from, you know? Like, right, go right. back to history. Yeah. And really um, study the art itself. Yeah. But you got to put in the time and work to right. better your craft. Like, the amount of hours that I put in to become better. Where do you find the energy, excuse me, to actually work on your craft mm-hmm. when, whether your mind or your body or your environment is literally giving you every reason not to. Maybe you've had a shitty day. Maybe you are sick. You have the flu, whatever it is. But you find the energy to go and get it done. Where do you find that energy? What 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 forces you to work on your craft? It's, it's the obsession. Like, I'm right. so obsessed at what I want to accomplish. That what I'm, are you thinking about, though? I'm thinking about my life, like my future. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be dead broke in the next five, ten years trying to do my music, you know? Right. I'm trying to... Cr- be sustain- have a sustainable future in this game, you know, right. a long-lasting future. I'm not trying to be one and wonder. Okay, right. how am I going to do that? Yeah. Not to do that, I got to build the platform. I got to build the networks. I got to build the wealth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's always on my mind. Right. So it's so- a sort of that singular vision of yours that's always, no matter what, even if you're having the shittiest day, that's what you're focusing yeah. on to pull you forward. Exactly. Huge. Yeah. Huge, man. Now, let's go back to the music itself. I'm listening to these songs. Um, and I'm thinking that while there's these interconnected threads of Tamil culture, Tamil music, and these, you know, these bars that kind of originate from South Asia in general, um, and you're mixing it with different types of sounds from the Western side, from the hip hop side, and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. What are you trying to achieve with this? Like, is this more you almost like, uh, just purging your thoughts and your feelings into the craft? Are you seeking a goal through the music in terms of invoking a similar feeling or a type of feeling in the listener? I guess one of my end goals, the big goal is to eventually create a big platform to help other South Asian artists prosper in the mainstream of like hip hop or gotcha. and other genres. But in order to do that, I gotta, like I said, build my own um, um, wealth, my own relationships so I can help other artists do that. Because, you know, I've, being a producer, I work with so many people that right, right. I feel like, I wonder what you do, I don't have the resources, I don't have this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So how can I create a network where we can, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's one of my end goals. Yeah. But with, with your song specifically, like, because yeah. uh, I'll get to that. Like, what is your goal with the song when you're producing a single track? I just that's my way of displaying how I'm feeling, you know. Yeah. yeah. So it's more self. In it's terms just, of with my own music, when it's like, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Just like I want to 
this is how, this is how I'm speaking. I want to speak to people through my right, music in that right, way, right. if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. And that's how I you... I want to tell my story through my music. Gotcha, gotcha. And when you hear people come to you and they heard your music or they message you or they send you a DM, whatever it may be, and they tell you that your music spoke to them and, you know, really got them through a tough time, whatever yeah. it may be, what kind of impact does that have on you? Because, I mean, you're still young. Like, yeah. so... To get this kind of feedback and all this kind of stuff and notoriety, mm-hmm. it, it's still pretty humbling, I imagine. So, what are your thoughts when that happens? Man, it's like the best thing in the world. It reminds, it grounds me. It's like, okay, this is why one of the reasons why you're doing this. Right. You're actually changing another person's life through your music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A person could be having a shitty day or whatever, but they listen to your two-minute song and it helps them better. Yeah. Even if it's for those two minutes, you know? Yeah, yeah. I'm like, damn, I have the power to do that. Like, music is so universal. Right, right. So, every time I get a comment like that, it's just like... It motivates me even more. It's like, okay, now I gotta do this to more people. Right, 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 right. More people, like, build a fan base even more. So gotcha, gotcha. It's crazy, yeah. Like, that's one of the reasons, like, yeah, being creative, like, it's, uh, I can't even, it's, I'm like, I get speeches at times. So yeah. I'm like, yo, I can't believe you just messaged me. And I'm like, that, me? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, you know? That's huge. That's huge, man. When you're looking at sort of uh, your craft as a whole, right? How do you stay sharp? How do you, like, continue to stay innovative? not try to paint yourself into a box, that kind of thing. Like, how do you, you know, you don't want to be typecast in a way like, oh, it's that guy that mixes Tamil sounds with hip-hop sounds and, like, that's your shtick, so to speak, and then all of a sudden your sounds become the same. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you make sure that doesn't happen, that you don't get rusty well, and you stay sharp? being a producer, it's good that I'm put in this, uh, scenarios with so many different types of artists now. Right. Back then, we just, I, again, I was narrow-minded. I'm like, just strictly hip-hop, mm-hmm. R&B. Mm-hmm. But then I got myself in rooms with pop artists, EDM artists. Mm-hmm from all genres now mm-hmm. so every time I work with artists in different genres I'm taking away mm-hmm. and every time I'm mixing a record for different genres it's different right mm-hmm. you mix records differently for different types of styles of music mm-hmm. so I'm learning from that and bringing it into my own music mm-hmm. and obviously educating myself right. when the new software comes out making sure I'm on point with the new software right, right. up to date with the new software like that's the part of it too with new gear wow that's amazing man and again it's something that just doesn't get spoken enough about only because sometimes people might get complacent or the success comes so quickly yeah. that you get these stories of like this person having a stereotype or a mm-hmm. shtick or that kind of thing. Um, let me ask you about the music itself. Are you looking for sounds that were just formative to you or do you often take inspiration from other stories you've heard or other people? Both. Okay. Both. Like when I first started, yeah. Yeah. Obviously yeah. The, the root always comes back to like, Tamil music, yeah, yeah. examples. But yeah, like, yeah. yeah, when I work with another producer and they show me something new from their culture, you know, okay. like, like I try to learn from them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get the knowledge and like try to apply it to myself. The mm. same way I, I love teaching people what I know too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like here, pass it down and now you take this idea and create something new from it, you know? Right, 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 right. What are your goals in terms of looking at your library? If you actually go back and look at everything, let's just say this is 20, 30 years from now, okay. and you're looking at the catalog of music in front of you, let's say it's visually arranged, what do you want to see? Uh, put me on the spot there. Uh, I, don't, I want to be known as that guy who, you know, had a vision, a pioneer that helped create a whole new movement yeah. of like this South Indian mixed with hip-hop. And that becomes like the mainstream sound. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that in itself forms other subgenres. Right, music, right, you know? right. 
If that makes yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, okay, I want my sound to be the popular sound one day. Yeah, yeah. I want to create a hit, like, one of my goals. I want to create a hit record with Drake one day. With the Mirdangam in it. Right, right, like, right. Like, imagine that that's two cultures coming together right there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that in itself could lead to so many other forms of music, you know? Like, that's huge. The possibilities are endless. Right, right, right. That's huge, Brad. Yeah. Anyone that listens to the show or watches the YouTube videos, they know that I just jump back and forth, back and forth, that kind of thing. And I want to go back to... The whole Best Buy thing, because okay. you don't need to work there. Like mm -hmm. you are making money from your music, you have a living, and you actually just handed in your notice. Like right now, they're officially gonna stop working. Yeah, this well. week is actually my last yeah. uh, shift. For yeah, Best but Buy. through there, you were able to like network and meet a bunch of artists and all that kind of stuff, and really develop the skills about speaking about yourself. Yeah, speaking to your work. What are some of the people? Who are some of the people that you met there? And what did you learn from a single person? That may have like sort of had like more of an impact than just an interaction. It's it's crazy, like especially working at the front. You know, I'm the guy first point of interaction. So I'm the guy who checks your receipts, you know, yeah, yeah. your bags. I'm I have control of the music when I'm at the front too. So as right. long as you can play clean music, it pretty much allows us to play whatever we want. Right. And a lot of the coworkers they love hip hop music. Yeah. A lot of them like my music too, which yeah. you know I'm grateful for. Yeah. So I'm able to play my music and expose it to the customers there and see how people react to it. Right. So I'm always making a note of that, I play my music and hoping that someone famous or someone, you know, popular that I, uh, walks in. Yeah. Because there's only one uh, Best Buy in the heart of downtown. Yeah. So, like, a couple of months ago, I've met Nav. Yeah. Nav walked in and they're coming back to me because I had to give them a bag. So, I'm, you know, I'm always chit-chatting. Yeah, yeah, I'm not trying to be a groupie, but, you know, yeah, I yeah, want to yeah. build a relationship with these guys. Right, right. Because I know I'm going to meet with them down the line again. Yeah, So, yeah. it's like my first point. Play that first, first seat. Yeah, 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 first seat. So, I'm going to play my music in the background and most of the times, you know, it's not like they're gonna be like, oh, hey, hey, this is a thing. But sometimes I'll get like reactions, like yeah. facial reactions, and it's like, okay, I know they're listening. Yeah. Um, but one person would probably be uh, JID. Okay. He was in the line one day. Yeah. Uh, no one noticed him, but I noticed him. Yeah. I didn't realize he was here for a concert. He was performing at the Phoenix that night. Right. He ended up being in the line. I spotted him. Like, wait, this looks so much like JID. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, or JID. I'm mispronouncing it. And I, I'm like, fuck it. I'm always looking for opportunity. Like, yeah, I yeah. don't care. I'll go Because I know I'm going to regret it after. <laughs> right. And I just, I'm like, yo. And he turned around and I'm like, are you J.I.D.? Yeah. And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, J. Cole? And he's like, he just gave me a nod. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, okay. He was yeah. in the line. But it's just like, and then I talked to him, yeah. and he, I, uh, I called him over, and I'm yeah. like, yeah, you know, I'm a producer from Scarborough. I like yeah. to infuse stuff in the elements. It's like, that's dope, man. I'm actually here to perform in Phoenix. Yeah. And he, he gave me his personal email. Wow. And I'm like, man, like, you know, we all, a lot of people through media, we have this picture of what a celebrity artist would be like. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuck up. He actually extended that personal invite. Yeah, and like a very kind, kind-hearted, down-to-earth. Like, most of these Artists are like that, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most people are scared to go. Like, I get it if you're trying to uh, chapel them, like, you know, look, it's JD and get yeah, other yeah. people involved. But I was seriously like, just uh, happy to be in, in his presence, mm -hmm. like trying to get any knowledge or something wasn't like in that moment. Mm -hmm. An opportunity could arise from it, right? You never know. Mm -hmm. You never know. Yeah. I went for it, and I got his personal email, and hopefully this can lead to something down the line. Right? Yeah, and just yeah. like this, I'm doing this with every artist that I meet there. Yeah, that's huge. Man. Big or small, like, you know, yeah, I'm yeah. trying to connect with everyone in the city. That's huge. That's so, huge. like, I wouldn't have that moment if I wasn't working there, you yeah. know, and like, didn't look for those opportunities. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you're comfortable sharing it and I don't want to talk about like way down the line because yeah. I'm sure you have like that sort of top 10 of who you want to work with down the line. But if you're looking at like the next 
three, four years, what are some artists or some talents that you want to work with and you th- you see it, envisioning it happening in the next couple Definitely. of years? Definitely. It is going to happen. Yeah. Drake. Yeah. I will create a number one hit song with Drake. Who's the rhythm in it? Dope. And I will perform this at an, at an arena. Like, that's like, it's happening. Yeah. I will perf- I will produce and sing a song with MIA about Tamil culture. Right. That's happening. I will be getting major production placements for all the top artists across all genres of music. Huge. So these top three are, it's definitely happening. I just, I love the passion and yeah. conviction that you yeah. say that with. I mean, that's what it you, takes. You have to believe it, right? That's why I'm saying it with so much, like, commitment. It's like, yeah. I believe it's going to happen. Yeah. And that's the only way. If you don't believe it, nothing's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge, man. So, like, and I'm changing the way that I speak now. I'm changing the language. Right. Too many people have, the way they talk is, is already self-doubt. If, whether or not, I'm like, no, it's happening. Yeah. I will do this. Right, right, right. I will own a mansion yeah, yeah, down the line. Like, yeah, you yeah. Know, I will support my family. I will support myself. I will be a pillar in creating a new movement of music. That's huge, man. That's huge. Um, this this episode, we're recording it early in 2019. Uh, it's coming out a couple of months later. It's going to come out after our episode with Sean Vincent DePaul. Mm-hmm. So you have a funny story because when I was talking to him after <laughs> we were wrapped up our recording, I mentioned, hey, we're going to meet up with Janssen and we're going to do this whole thing. He started laughing and he told me about the story that you guys met. So, again, for, to give people context, he is a rapper, singer, artist, uh, really super, super talented and really just knows um, what he wants his craft to look like. Yeah. And because of that, he only surrounds himself with people that he trusts and sees as talented individuals as well. Of course. And you, at some point, were trying to reach out to him. Yeah. So you give us the story of you as a young producer yeah. trying to reach out to this artist to work with them and collab on something. So yeah, like two years ago, around the same time I released my uh, second EP, I was looking for other brown faces yeah. doing bigger things in the music industry. Right. So I'm like, okay, maybe they, I can relate to them more. You know, they'll be willing to help me out more, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I want to know, are there people doing this full time? You know, who came from where I came from, like, you know? Yeah. And then I stumbled upon Sean's and DePaul's name. Yeah. Uh, before I met him, I saw his article on Tamil culture. Yeah. I was reading about it, and I saw the music video. I'm like, yo, this shit is dope. Yeah. It sounds different. The same impression I got when I was first exposed to him. Like, yeah. it was just so unique. Yeah, so unique. And when I found out that he was doing everything himself, I'm like, I need to meet this guy. Yeah. This could be a potential mentor for me. It's, or um, a relationship that can blow up into something bigger than art. Like, yeah. it already is, right? And then, so I've always thought about it. It was in my head. I'm like, I need to meet this guy. I will meet this guy. I don't know how I'm going to meet this guy, but I want to meet this guy somewhere in LA. Yeah. Long story short, when I first moved into the house I'm living in now, my parents were looking for a mattress. Right. Because we threw our old one. Yeah. We're looking for a mattress and we went mattress shopping. Right. And we ended up walking to this one store beside uh, um, the temple. Sunflower furniture. Sunflower furniture. Oh, yeah. Which is a staple in the Tamil community yo, for yo. furniture. <laughs> They've been there since time. Shout out to Sunflower Furniture. Sunflower Furniture. They, didn't pay for this, they haven't paid for this advertisement, but I'm telling you right now, like this place yo, it's, has been a, a now temple. Now that I back, it's been there my whole life. I just never went inside. You know, yeah. Every time I went to the fucking temple, I would see Sunflower Furniture. Yeah. So we go in and there's a lady there who is yeah. willing to help us. And it, Already, like, the vibes were, like, just good vibes. Yeah. Good people. Yeah. And my mom's the type of person, she feeds out of energy. Yeah. So we went to the uh, match store across the street, but yeah. she's like, fuck that. Yeah. She yeah. didn't like the vibes going in. Yeah. Well, we went in here, and this lady was very bright, you know? And then this lady, uh, this summer lady comes and starts talking to my mom. Yeah. And then 
we start talking. Yeah. And then I go and I... This is typical when two South Asian moms <laughs> meet, the life story starts to sh- get shared, yeah, right? They start yeah. talking to each other. And then, yeah, we end up sitting down, talking about, because we wanted to order a mattress. And yeah. Talking about the stories of Sri Lanka. Yeah. Talk about her children. Yeah. Because I saw all these baby pictures behind her. Yeah. And then um, I asked her about her uh, kids and she told me she had a bunch of... Uh, bunch of sons yeah and then my mom brought up how her son does music right i was like oh wait my son does music too he's yeah. crazy about music yeah and uh, i'm like what's his name i was like yeah you, you probably heard him if you go on google like yeah if you, uh, there should be a page about him yeah it's like sean Paul. and the name didn't ring a bell in that moment yeah but then when i searched it up i remember the town culture article yeah 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 i'm like holy shit like this she, is she is the mother of the person you were literally watching and idolizing. Idolizing, been wanting to meet. I'm yeah. like, what are the odds? Yeah. And this is when the whole law of attraction, like manifesting. I'm like, this shit is happening right now. This is <laughs> happening right yeah, now. Yeah, I'm taking this opportunity. I'm like, holy fuck! I got mad excited. I'm like, yo, you need to introduce it to your son. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, I was trying to be too forward. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, can you give me his email? Can yeah. you give him his number? Yeah. She ended up calling him. Yeah. But I didn't pick up. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, and then I found him on Instagram yeah. at the same time. And Facebook, so I ended up shooting him a DM right then and there, yeah. hoping that he would get back to me. Yeah. And his mom's like, okay, you know, maybe I'll I'll uh, I'll see if I can get back to him. Yeah. Because I had, I had one more chance. Because I, I felt like you went back again to. to... I had one more chance yeah. the next Monday to pick up the mattress. Right. But I couldn't go, because I think I had fucking work or something. <laughs> oh no. So my dad and I are going. So I'm like, oh, please, see if you can get um, his info or something. Yeah. Go back. Yeah. He yeah. went back. Um, nothing. Yeah. Right? What am I going to do? I already sh- shot him the message. Yeah. I went back again the next week. Wow. To his mom's shop. Yeah. And I'm like, I just randomly went and like, empty. is there any way I can contact him? Yeah. She ended up giving me his email during that time. So yeah. I emailed him too. Yeah. A month later goes by. He finally reads my message on uh, Facebook. Yeah. And, and he's like, here, I use uh, Instagram more to so talk to me on Instagram. Yeah. And so I on Instagram. And that's when he heard new me. Gotcha. I dropped new me. Yeah. Uh, right before the project, I dropped new me. I was the lead single of it. And I guess they really fuck with the music. Yeah. Because. Uh, they did. They did. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was like. My, and that was one of the first time I was releasing music of me singing. Right. Before that, I was just pro- producing, right? Yeah, but I'm like, yeah. I want to showcase my local talents. Yeah. Um, and that was the first song I released. And then I guess he really fucked the song. And then right then and there, he's like, yo, come to my studio. Yeah. Let's talk more. Yeah. Went to his, I, I busted to his house in that <laughs> time. I didn't give a fuck. Busted. Went to his studio. We talked. Talked music. Talked about life. And right. And from there, the relationship just started. And That's then huge. we made Slow Love, the song. I don't know if you've heard that song. Yeah, Slow I Love. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was yeah. the first song together. And we're still working on music. That's huge, man. And yeah, but it's just crazy how it all came together. I love that story because it speaks to like whatever craft you're in and even personally, like the stuff that we've been through, like, you know, the producers will tell you there's times where we, we have not times, we have a list of like people we want to work with mm-hmm. and our goal has always been, and we talked about it when we had our interaction is like, we just want to build a catalog of interviews and content in general that's all about creativity shared, that empowers other people to go out and create and learn from others maybe even others' mistakes, to refine their craft. So we have a list of, like, people we want to work with. You were on the list before we even reached out to you. Like, you were already on the list. We, as soon as we heard the music, or he introduced me to the music, I'm like, all right, he's on the list. Sean Vincent Paul was on the list. Navs was on the list. There's a bunch of people on this list. And you got to think, you know, when I look back, uh, early 2018, 
when I really started this whole endeavor, like for some people would be like, no, there's no way this is going to happen. But like you said, everything sort of manifests. If you keep your intentions true and the goal is really self-serving, not sorry, not self-serving, but like altruistic in a way where like you're always trying to help others as opposed to just yourself. Mm-hmm. The universe has a weird way of rewarding that. And like, you I'm know. seeing it now. Like, yeah, the, the situations I'm in, the rooms I'm in with the artists, like, yeah. it all comes back. What are some artists that you were in the same room with? This is, I'm going to give you an opportunity to name drop here because I feel like people need to hear the byproduct of the hustle and the grind. Well, people like Lun on a Track, you know? Yeah. I was able to be in a room with him and mm-hmm. show him my music. Mm-hmm. Uh, people like Red Eyes from Miami, like yeah. with, with the team that I work with now. Like, it's been crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even people like uh, now, since I was in the studio last week, like, you know, people I thought about, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sean, this Paul. Yeah. Um, so many artists. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's crazy, and it's happening so quickly, and it's not stopping. Like it just, it's just this compounding effect of you producing work, meeting people, producing work, meeting people, and that thing just growing, right? Where do you see that going to, um, in terms of beyond hip hop itself? Like, is there other genres and other people? I don't want to say is there. Of yeah. course there is, but who outside of hip hop do you see your music reaching and eventually you networking with? All over the world, man. Like I feel like. We live in a time today where all genres are like this hybrid, you know? Like yeah, everything's yeah. coming together. Like yeah. you, people are taking shit from so many different genres, right? Right. Um, it always starts with hip-hop. I want to make an impact in hip-hop and R&B. Yeah. And then go everywhere else. But I want to, uh, like, eventually, one of my other goals is to work with A.R. Rahman, too. A.R. Rahman, You know, yeah. like, Huge. I grew up in Tamil film music. Yeah. I want to help compose. I want some music for Tamil films. So, yeah. Like, uh, Bollywood, everything. Yeah. But with my type of sound. Right. With my middle infused, like hip-hop type. You of know? course, of course. That would be another goal, because then I have that whole... Outside yeah. of A.R. Rahman, is there anybody else that you'd like to work with and collaborate with? Um, I don't know if I mentioned Drake. Yeah. Oh, no, no, you meant, I mentioned, but outside um, of like the hip-hop world. Hop, hip-hop world. Yeah, yeah. People may be in South Asian cultures, or maybe some other sub-genre. Uh, everything, man. Uh, well, EDM, house music for sure. Yeah. It's because I've been doing a lot more. Who would you want to work with in that space? Skrillex would be nice. Yeah. Skrillex. Yeah. Uh, definitely Diplo too. Yeah, yeah. Diplo's like taking over. Like, yeah, yeah. He's doing so many things. Yeah. I mean, and the way that he really arranged and fuses different kinds of sounds yeah. and works with people, that kind of stuff. Not to mention there's the MIA connection that yeah, happened that's, earlier. That's, that's another because when I was watching your documentary, I used to see him. I saw him, like, you know, when she's in much music and he's in the background. He's like, like jumping in the background. I'm like, look at where he is now. Like, that yeah. even comes to show. Look, like, it's all consistency. Yeah. Consistency, consistency having vision. Having right people, right? And this is the question I ask everyone: is like, what's your advice to young creators out there? Is that your advice to young creators? Consistency. Yeah, you have to. Mm -hmm. You have to be consistent with your vision Mm -hmm. and keep um, trying new things, but be consistent with your work ethic too. Mm -hmm. You have to be consistent with the grind too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like it's not like you'll have some days where you you know shit happens. Yeah. yeah. As long as you get back. When you're looking at like the overall you know, macro way of the year itself, like most of it should be grinding, hustling, and working yeah. toward that thing. And that has to be consistent. Awesome. Because even if you stop, it's like when you're bench pressing. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah, You could be consistent for a couple of months. Yeah. You hit the 45 plates. Yeah. It, you stop for a week, you're back at what? 25, 35 yeah, yeah, yeah. pounds. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same thing. Right, right, right. With right. the grind, you know? Right, right, right. That's huge. That's huge. Um, when you're actually producing songs and producing music and people are reaching out to you like, hey, can you teach me? Can you teach me? Can you mm-hmm. teach me? It's hard to often find time to do that, to mentor other people. But how important is that to you? Is that something that you consider or is that something you're saving for later? 
it is really important because I obviously like I know how important it was to get guidance from other individuals. We talked about it for a while now, yeah. Like it's so important, yeah. Right. Um, I definitely I want to help as many people as I can. Yeah. But yeah, like you said, my time is really limited, and I value my time so much now because I know how much time I put into my work. Right. Right. And this is my business. This is my career. You know. Yeah. So people take me seriously. You just quit your part time job as well. Yeah. So people take me seriously for my craft. I want you to value my time. So like, it it is tough. But like wherever I can, like people hit me up Instagram. Like if they have questions, I'm always trying my best to reach back. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, even if I don't write away, like you know, you, you, rest assured down the line I will get back to you. Right, right, right. How, but, how important is that community connection to you? So important. I wouldn't be who I am without my community support. You know. Right, right, right. These like my especially my uh, obviously the South Asian community, but the only people that I started with. You know. Yeah. Especially people like you. You know, you're coming here in my studio. <laughs> Me I mean, we're yeah, and and we're here as fans too. Like anyone we network with, like yeah, we truly like have. You, there's so many other people who are just willing to help because they yeah. believe in your music, yeah. they believe in your art, you know. Yeah. And like that's all I can ask for. Yeah, and I think it's important as well because you know it's one thing to be a consumer of art and all those kind of things, uh, but it's something I think, and it's also important is that can you contribute to someone else's success, whether it's through your you know your money or through your resources. So if you see someone doing a pop-up shop and they just released their clothing line, mm-hmm. are you just going to talk about supporting the culture or are you going to put your money where your mouth is and not buy the Nike, Adidas, or Prada or whatever it is and buy that and support that vision, right? Are you going to talk about supporting local music or is your playlist just mainstream people, right? Like, is it just Drake or are you listening to people like Roger Kamari and Anik Khan, like these guys that are like on the come up that are bringing in South Asian sounds, you know, like what are you really going to be about? Right. And I, and I think that's important for people to understand is that there, there, this doesn't happen without the community, right? One is the artist himself having that connection, but the community itself reciprocating that. And I think that's huge that you touched on that. Um, on that note, you know, going into this line of work mm-hmm. doesn't usually sit well with South Asian parents, the South right. Asian families and South Asian communities in general. Mm-hmm. So when you're navigating this and you're going into this, was there a time where it was at conflict with your family's visions for you? Definitely. It still is. Yeah. But like uh, not so much with my parents, but you know, outside my aunts outside, and uncles, yeah. you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard for them to digest. Yeah. Okay. Cause they don't know too much about the creative arts industry as a whole. Yeah. They don't know that money can be made on it. No. And they don't know that, you know, it's possible to have a full-time career doing something in music or something in arts or something in photography, videography, you know, right. but it takes more people to really be successful at that level mm-hmm. to show these other parents. Mm-hmm. That's one of the reasons why I also want to do it. Mm-hmm. Whenever I uh, I ask people and um, people's parents are like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And because the problem is that you don't have anyone to look up to. Like right. right now, who can I say? I can say MIA. Yeah. I can say Jay Sean. Yeah. Right. Who've done it at that level. Yeah. But even Jay Sean right now, he's not there. He's not consistent at that level. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. MIA is still there. But besides that, who can we say right now? Right, who's right. doing it at that top tier level? There yeah. isn't. Right. Imagine, that's what I'm saying. Imagine a whole new movement of artists who are doing at that level. Yeah. And it seems to be like there's a lot of bubbling right now. There's a bunch of people doing yeah, really, really good. Yeah, bubbles are forming. Like, and the they have the talent. Like, yeah. that's undeniable, right? It's just a matter of getting that exposure out The seeds are planted all over the world. Yeah. So is that your advice to, I mean, sorry, I should say not that. What is your advice to young creators out there, whether it's music or whatever it may be, that are going down a creative venture that their parents or their family may not approve of? Like, how do you go through that because unless you've been through it it's a pretty difficult thing to navigate yeah I guess for me I have an open communication with my parents 
you know, I'm really open about mm-hmm. my ideas, my thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, I paint a picture for them. Mm-hmm. Look, Amma, like, mm-hmm. you may not see it now, but give me three years. Mm-hmm. If you trust me, you know how much, and they've seen how much passion I They see me grinding my studio every night. Mm-hmm. They don't know what I'm doing, but now they see more money's coming in. Right. They see more fans in my, in my numbers. They see more people reaching out to me. So yeah. when I show them that, it's like, okay, it assures them, like, things are getting better. Yeah, you know, yeah, most, yeah. Obviously, parents want the best for you, right? Yeah, and obviously, yeah. a lot of our parents who are immigrants, they come here starting a new life. Yeah. They want the best for the kids. Right. With their mindset, they assume the only way to have a good lifestyle, to have money, would be venturing off to becoming like a doctor or engineer. Yeah. But if we can just show them, I feel like with just my generation and the next. Yeah. That is where the opportunity really it's starts. Gonna, things are going to change. Yeah. Because more and more people are going to start blooming in these type of yeah. other you know industries. How aware are your parents of what you actually do specifically? And I, I love the advice of like just having that transparency yeah. and showing that work ethic and conviction. Um, and I ask this question because, you know, some of us in this space, mm-hmm. a lot of our parents just don't seem to have a deep understanding of what we do. Yeah. Like, is he just a YouTuber or is he a podcast? Like, you know, and even to explain the idea of podcasts and all that kind of stuff. So for you specifically, are they fully aware of all the compliments and the th- disciplines that you have? I try to, you know... Or is it just, he's in music? It's more like he's in the music. Because they don't really know about the rap culture, hip-hop culture. I try to explain to them. But even when I show them of a rapper, and look, I produce this. They don't, they can't relate to it because they don't understand the lyrics. Yeah. There's no backstory there. There's no backstory. Unless I show them, like, someone like Raja Kumar. Someone like Anik Khan. They can kind of relate to it because they see the South Indian influences. And then it's like, oh, okay, we get this. And then I'd be like, this is what I'm trying to do. But with this... Right, 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 right. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's huge, man. The more con that I... Uh, bring out that yeah. embodies all of what I'm trying to say yeah. the more they'll see right yeah. but it, it's obviously tough for them to grasp what I'm trying to do yeah, yeah, yeah. all they can do right now is just believe in me yeah. and you know hope for the best we have a show called The Banana Boys uh-huh. uh, which is a comedy show all about the Tamil experience mm-hmm. um, and what we do is we pick a theme for every episode where you know something in Tamil culture um, one of the things we talk about is just the Tamil community and them sort of like having prejudgment and them like, you know, always casting judgment, especially on younger people when they want to pursue these things. I imagine, you know, whether it's a birthday party or some sort of event or something, you run into like family or extended family mm-hmm. that they just portray doubt or they just have a negativity towards you or that kind of stuff. Yeah. How do you navigate that now? When someone, and I, you know, I want to go specific more on this, but in general, when you have like sort of this doubt or hate or negativity coming your way, um, how do you navigate that? You know, big thing is your aura, your body language, like mm-hmm. how you talk about what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like I'm so passionate about music. I believe in myself so much that when I talk about it, yeah. you start to believe in it too. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. when I say I will work with Drake, I will work with this, you know, you, uh, I want you to feel that passion yeah. when I'm yeah. saying it. So same way when I go to parties, I just embrace it. Yeah. And now it's nice that I have so many kids in the family yeah. and they all like, Y'all some mom's music and yeah. I'll sing along. And just to clarify, this is not his kids. He oh, doesn't have, he doesn't have like kids. <laughs> no no no. This is just extended family, nieces, yeah. nephews, yeah, a lot of nieces and nephews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a big family. Yeah. But, um, they look up to you now and they really they see you trailblazing. And I want them to look up to me in that sense, like cause and I wanna show them, look. So like whenever they're downstairs, I show them the process. Right. I try to show them, like when my nephew Ovin is here, yeah. I try to show him how to make beats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I try to show them, look at my music video. Look, yeah, yeah, look at the numbers. They're getting more. Look yeah. at my Spotify page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I try to show them, even though they're younger, I want to plant that seed consistency. Yeah. The grind. Yeah. You know? And truly following your passion yeah. in a way. That's and expose huge. them to others. So when you have people that come to you with negativity or these older folk that just have doubt, you're, you're looking to win them over. You don't, you don't reciprocate that negativity yeah, back to them. Yeah, no. 
Gotcha. I used to be like that. Yeah. So I'm like, yo, what's wrong with you? Why do you gotta talk to me like this? Yeah, yeah. And that, that, that you're just feeling the fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now it's like, okay, even if they talk shit, I'll show you. Yeah, like, yeah. That's like, what are you gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I, I know who I am. Yeah. I know what I'm gonna become. Yeah. I know what I'm gonna do for my, uh, for the community. Yeah. Just give us some time. That's it. That's insane. And man. you'll see. Yeah, yeah. When you're looking at 2019, what, what does this year look like for you? Because we're recording again in January. <laughs> um, what are you looking to manifest this year? This year, for sure, I will be dropping a project. Mm-hmm. It's been two years since my last project, mm-hmm. but you know I've come a, went through a lot more experiences in the last two years. Yeah, yeah, a lot yeah. of self development, especially in the last year. Yeah. A lot of pain too, but like finding ways to channel that into my music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot more collaborations yeah. with people, you know, in Canada and outside of Canada, mm-hmm. across the world. A lot more trips, doing music outside of Canada. Yeah, going back to Miami more, you know, going back to the Hit Factory. Yeah, um, yeah, and of course, building more wealth, mm-hmm. bringing more success mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from music you right, know? Right, right. I'm, I'm finally targeting this full-on full-time so yeah, yeah now the real hustle begins again yeah, yeah yeah you talked about like watching a lot of ted talks and interviews um is there any sort of speakers or, in, or personalities or even authors of books um that would fit in maybe like your top three or top five that have an impact or had an impact well a big channel that i watch is called impact theory Impact Theory, okay. YouTube. Yeah, no pun intended. I yeah. didn't know that. So when I asked yeah, for Impact, Impact Theory, okay. I usually watch it every morning. They yeah. Like 40 minute um, interviews on right. successful people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From like uh, Tony Hawk to everyone. Like yeah, yeah. even um, Lily Singh was on it. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Just yeah. talking about uh, people's success and how they got to that success. Right. It's the same type of question you ask me. Literally the same conversation that we're having right yeah. now. Yeah. Because I like to analyze that. It's all, it's all, it's all a mindset. Yeah. That's what separates uh, someone like who's really successful to someone who's like average. It's mm-hmm. a mindset. That's the only thing. Mm-hmm. These people just think bigger. Mm-hmm. So, do you believe that's the secret to attaining really the lifestyle and the sort of uh, career that you want? Yes. Is all mindset? Yes. Yeah. Well, a big part is mindset, and yeah. then you got to put into action with the mindset. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I, I ask that because I, you know, I feel like sometimes maybe you get caught up on one side or the other. So I'm glad you said both because you know there's the book called The Secret. Yeah, yeah. And it's a popular book, and people always go hype about the book. And I'm like. The book is half there. It's half a book, yeah. right? Having that positivity, thinking big, and like writing things down and having these goals, that's half of it. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about having a list of people we want to collaborate with and interview. Great. But like you said, it takes the work ethic. It takes the receipts. Yeah. Like, we don't get this interview if I don't show you, hey, these are the other things that we do. This is the photography that we do. This is mm-hmm. the video work that we do. So I think that's something that, you know, needs to be communicated more. Right? And I appreciate you sitting down with us because that's part of the thing that we're trying to do is like, listen, you can do these things. Yes, being positive and thinking this way is important. But let me tell you these stories or let me narrate these stories and interview these stories of other people that have gotten to this place or yeah. getting to that place. And they'll tell you the same thing. It takes the work ethic. And failures. Like you need to go through failures. Huge. And learn from them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let, well, let's talk about that because that's important too. What are some of the most pivotal failures uh, that you've encountered, maybe one or two of them. Well, I've talked about before, like the car accident. The car accident was a big one. Yeah, but it just else? opened my eyes to so many things. Um, it doesn't have to be as big as that, but just some failures that really left a lesson with you. Little thing like not having backing up your hard drive. Oof. You could be in a session, someone's paying you for your time. Yeah. Just because of one little mistake, the whole session's done. Artist is pissed at you. Jeez. Business is gone. What, when did this happen? I had, like, it wasn't a severe uh, situation, yeah. but, like, I had moments where I'd be in the studio, and, like, yeah. halfway in the studio, I've already recorded the tracks, and then this, somebody's cropped the file. My heart is weeping for you right now, man. And what Jeez. am I supposed to do? 
it's all blame on me. Yeah. I should have been more prepared. Yeah. But yeah. it's little things like that. It teaches you like shit. Yeah. Have have a fail safe. Have a backup plan. But even this being uh, like I'm an entrepreneur. Yeah. Okay. So getting busy in my studio. Yeah. Sales, right? Like talking to people. Yeah. You might you can say one wrong thing and it goes thing, right? Yeah. Because I mean, you're you're in charge of sales, consulting, marketing, promoting, all this kind of stuff when you're an entrepreneur, yeah. right? Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, I don't know if you heard of Gary Vee or follow him. Yeah. Um, we had a chance to meet him and we talked to him about uh, my question to him. Like, you know, it's only watched so many videos. Yeah, yeah. So you expect like, so you're like, what am I going to ask him that hasn't been asked already? Um, but one of the, one of the big, biggest pieces that I got from him, uh, wasn't even a question that I asked. It was actually someone else is, uh, dealing with toxicity, right? Negativity and people and that. And for him, it's like, cut those people out, just simply cut those people out. And treat it, it's their loss, not yours. Um, I want to extend this to you because I imagine you being the space. There had to have been people that you've known over the years, maybe had a relationship with, that you just kind of had to cut out in your life. Um, how do you navigate those kind of relationships where, you know what, this is not healthy for me. Mm-hmm. I need to, you know, remove this and kind of move on. Was this something that you were cognizant with or it took a lot of time and effort for you to figure out? It's both like sometimes you just gotta be real with yourself like okay yeah you look at your friend circle you're like okay are these people actually adding value to my life do yeah. they actually care about my wealth yeah do, are they actually pushing me to become a better a better human a better you know yeah and if they don't then it's hard yeah, yeah. but i've had the opposite i have people cut me out of their life you know where they right. felt like i was the toxic person right and then i look back at my life i'm like oh fuck like what did i do yeah yeah, yeah. And i realized you know this is for the best yeah because yeah. of this because of this uh, situation i've become a better person after this. yeah humbling in a way humbling in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah um the other thing i want to ask you about you are in the music space the media space clearly becoming a lot more in not- a lot more notoriety to your name putting out music that you know people really vibe with this is going to attract fans and people that just almost always seem to want a piece of you like they just want your attention uh, your acknowledgement and that kind of stuff um how do you sort of separate the people that are genuinely well-intentioned they want to help you along the journey that kind of want to work with you from the others that are almost looking to profit off of your name and off of your notoriety it's hard but the more people you connect with the more people you talk with you, yeah. learn, you get to learn about people's like like you know like or yeah, how yeah. people react to things so like, yeah. and i go off feelings and energies yeah, so yeah. if i listen to my gut too so if yeah. i talk to someone and i can i can normally tell if they're just out here for, to get my money or profit off me yeah or even down the line if i hear it and luckily for me i have a strong team behind me too mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. the guys that, uh, and girls that i work with you know yeah. there's almost like a support network there yeah. that kind so of even if, it I'm out not, as well. if i'm not if i'm okay but in their feeling type of ways i'll usually listen to them yeah like, i like asking this question and sometimes it shows up in the interview sometimes it's something i just ask them after the interview like why did you actually say yes to us? Because, you know, for me, we have this list. We know what our intentions are at the Risky Fox. Like, we know what our goal is. Our goal is creativity shared. And it's all about taking all the resources we have and giving value. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, hey, can you sit down for an interview? It's like, would you mind sharing your story? Because it's not even about today, but like 10 years from now, people can go back and listen to this story, documenting it. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, can we leverage our photography and videography to give you value and to give you content? And our goal is that through this, people are, you know, we're transparent enough that people see that we're coming well-intentioned. Mm-hmm. And I always want to know, like, well, why did you say yes? Like, in a day, like, Janssen's sitting here making dope music, and this guy comes along and says he wants to, like, profile me, do a photography session, all that kind of stuff. Uh, what made you actually say yes? So, let me it's ask like, you that. I want to share my story, man, to as many people 
was like, but with us specifically, is, is it something that you just saw in our work, or is it something that when you're looking at people, you're trying to judge them? Like, what do you, what was your process? Well, uh, it's good to take a helping hand sometimes, you know. Yeah. And like, I've uh, I've known Viknesh before. Too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, so obviously it's the first time we're, I'm meeting you. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've seen your work. I've seen what you guys have done before, okay. and like, and talking to you on the phone. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Good vibes. Yeah, yeah. I could just tell like you just want to learn about my story and help yeah, me yeah. out and help other creators. Yeah. You know? And meeting people like that, it's the type of people that I want to associate myself with. Yeah. So why not build that relationship yeah. with this interview, build the networks? You know, I'm, I want this to blow up. I want you to take the blow up. Like, yeah. I'm not thinking about myself too. Yeah. It's like a game game for both of us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why not help each other out? You're coming to my networks, I'm coming to your networks. Yeah. And this is the kind of stuff I love airing out in front of people. I guess in front of people, I mean like on the podcast when people are listening to this. Um, just because, just to expose them to the fact that you know, people are going to say no to you. People don't have to say yes. So yeah. I'm always interested in what made you say yes and what was it about us that, you know, allowed you to say yes. So one, it's nice that you actually know one of the producers. That's nice. Uh, but, you know, the way I got that impression is when we actually had that phone call. That's I felt like that phone call is like you were just kind of doing that like double check. Like, okay, what are these guys that's actually That's solidified, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, that's the thing for me is like, okay, let me send this long message, which is what, what I sent you. Like, hey, here's what we do and this is what we're about. But it's like, if I can get you on the phone, let me tell you what we're about. Let me yeah. give you that sales pitch in a way of what we're trying to do. And like I think even that, if you didn't ask, I would have asked to stop on a phone call. So yeah, yeah, More yeah. brief about huge. what you guys want to do. Huge, huge. And huge. then like I would have made a final decision. About that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. When you're actually um, looking at all the arrangements that you come together to produce a song, produce a music, and all that kind of stuff, how long does the entire process take? It depends. Like some days I'll make a song like a full song when I work with uh, my songwriter shout out to um, send music yeah um, for my other stuff we can make a full song done in like two three hours for wow. like initial that is, if it's like a simple beat and yeah, then I'll yeah. make the beat in like five ten minutes yeah layering yeah and then uh, the lyrics that might take an hour an hour and a half yeah recording might take an hour right. mixing and mastering takes another hour and then yeah. we fine tune after right so yeah. let's say all together eight hours eight to right. ten hours for one song right but like when I'm just making beats some days, like uh, I, uh, I like to document myself too. Like when I'm posting, like when you respond to that story, yeah. I made that in like five, ten minutes. Yeah. I, and I love that sport because I'm following you on Instagram and I see the story and like you're literally arranging the beats. You find the, mel- yeah. the melody, you put that there, then you find in the baseline and you put it all together. And to see that come together, like that's my kind of documentary. Like yeah. I love seeing that kind of stuff. So it's like you go off the vibe. Like sometimes you just feel it. When you feel it, you have to channel that energy. Yeah. Keep rolling with it. How do you know when you're done? And I ask this because, you know, as a photographer, like I told you this before, like I'll look back at my work and people might like some of the work, yeah. but I usually just despise most of my work. And I'm always looking to make the next best thing, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, and one, and, and through that process, it's like it, knowing when a picture is done. Yeah. Like for me, it's like, I look at it, I'm like, is it done? And we're finding, we're finding, like saying creative, yes. like you're, we're all perfectionists most of the time. You know, we want everything. It's hard. Nothing's ever going to be like perfect, perfect. Right. And I'm sure people listening are crippled by that. So how do you know when the beat is done? When I start overthinking. Oh, so you look for that. When I start overthinking, it always goes to shit. Gotcha. And now I have that mentality. Less is more. And the more uh, like uh, producers and like artists that I work with, yeah. they all tell me like, slow down. Yeah. Awesome. Now like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Do you look back at your work and have regret over certain musical arrangements or is it like, it is what it is. That was the byproduct yeah. and you yeah. look it forward. It is what it is. I've learned from it, you know? Yeah. That's, it just shows where I came from, right? Looking back at it, I'm like, right, no, right, right. no more regrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I don't even like, I don't, n- nothing's regret. Like you live, those experiences right okay if i fucked up in the session 
I made made it work in the next session. Like, right. It's just like a like you learn from your failures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't regret anything anymore. That's huge, man. Um, as we come to the tail end of the interviews, I always talk about inspirations and all that kind of stuff with the people we're talking to. So I want to talk to you. Who are your top five uh, musicians or artists right now? Top five right now, uh, definitely Drake. Drake. Um, Arl Martin. Yeah. Uh, J Cole. Yeah. You have MIA. Yeah. And uh, Kendrick Lamar. Kendrick Lamar. If you had to pick one person on that list not named Drake to work with, because I feel like Drake would be the first one, um, who would it be and why? Arl Martin. Mm-hmm. Because he was the first person that I saw really get outside of India and bring his sound to the uh, Western culture. Yeah. And look where he is today. Yeah. You know, he created a whole new movement. Yeah. You know, when I was watching Slumdog Millionaire, I heard his songs. I'm like, the same way how, you know, p- people are probably looking at my music now. I was like, look, he's trying to do this and it's kind of working. I felt that same energy with him. Right, right, right. And I feel like he... And to win an Oscar. like And Oscar, I feel like he, working with someone of that caliber who was able to, you know... Yeah. And he just goes off a feeling too. Yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's just a vibe. Yeah, yeah, So, like... That's huge, man. And I sample a lot of his music, so why not, you know? Yeah. Meet the guy that I sample. Like, I've already met him, but, like, to be able to work with him directly and, yeah. like, you know? One of the things is I often sit back and, like, think of, like, goals and then I have aspirations and all that kind of stuff and then I start to play out things in my head. So, A.R. Rahman, he composes music for movies, most famously. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about working with him and then the movie that it would be tied to and who would be acting in that movie. Do you ever think and, and envision things like that I do way? all the time. Who would be acting in that movie? So you and A.R. Rahman meet, okay? I'd be acting in the movie too. Yeah. <laughs> so you'd be, in, you'd be acting I'd in be the, acting the movie too. You're actor and producer yes. credit, composer yes. credit. Yes. Is, who yes. else is in this movie? I don't know. Whoever else wants to be in the movie. You could be in the movie you want to be. Done. Done. So when you get that gig, I'm going to be DMing you. I'm like, listen, even if it's just like a guy pouring coffee in the background. Okay, the idea is there. Let's make it done. Let's done. It, let's make it How often do you have these sort of thoughts of where you're almost like manifesting the vision? It, it might sound weird to certain people, but yeah. I tell people a lot of time, like, play out scenarios in your head. And the person I actually got it from uh, was George St. Pierre, the UFC fighter. Okay. Um, where he talked about early on when he was going for the welterweight belt. He was one of the first to really, he would go into the actual octagon while it was being set up and he would spend a lot of time just visualizing the fight night. Yeah. Not just visualizing the fight itself, but the entire fight night, how the fans are going to react, if they're going to boo, if they're going to cheer, what's he going to wear, the music, like env- env- envisioning the entire experience. And when I heard that, I'm like, it sounds weird, but let me try it. And then it wasn't until I started doing it, certain things kind of fell into place and it didn't feel like things happened by accident anymore. So do you often dedicate time and effort to visualization and really thinking things in that way? Exactly. Like when I working at Best Buy, I'm yeah. always like young and done that square. Yeah. You know how many times I went there? I perform. Uh, imagine myself performing. Where did I perform last year? Club Fest, right at that stage. Yeah. These are like little things. Um, to see that, it's almost like the Times Square of Toronto in a way. Yeah. Uh, to see that and to say I'm gonna perform here one day, and then last summer you were performing there. Yeah, like there's little things like that. Okay. Yeah. Uh, one of my goals, I know the house that I want to buy, the mansion that I want to buy. Okay, yeah. It's by in Richmond Hill. Yeah. So I travel to that mansion. Yeah. I go, I picture myself buying this house. I go in a neighborhood. Yeah. You know, little things like that. And it's just like a spark of inspiration. I yeah. know one day I'm going to buy something in the neighborhood. Yeah. I was in the Lambo. I've been in two Lambos this past year. Yeah. I didn't realize, and like, I'm into cars, but just, I am into luxury lifestyle. Yeah. Like, I want to at least, uh, I want the luxury lifestyle, but. Yeah. Before I say fuck it, I want to experience it, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
just being in a Lambo and driving a Lambo. Yeah. It's like, I already felt like I was living the thing. It's like yeah, that yeah. in itself was like manifesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah so little yeah. things like that. Yeah, definitely. That's huge, man. That's huge. Cause you know, for me, it was ever since a young age, you know, part of it is like, I just want to travel the world and take dope pictures. Like that's just always been the thing for me. And it started manifesting itself. And it wasn't until I actually went through some difficult times in the last year, year and a half, mm-hmm. that I had to stop for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. I literally get to travel the world and take those pictures and meet like a ton of creatives and get their story and like collaborate in certain ways. So I think part of it is actually like stopping and like reflecting and actually seeing like, wait a minute, this is actually happening for real. And the reason I asked you about the visualization is because you talk in that way. Yeah. So I'm wondering, like, do you think in that way as I do, well? Yeah, I'm always visualizing. That's huge. Future. Um, what kind of movies are you into? What are, what are like the movies that inspired you or things that you go back to? Cause I'm looking at this wall. I'm seeing stuff that I love here from so, like anime to like action, like a bunch yeah. of stuff. So that like I love a here. lot of this isn't my collection. It was actually my collection. Oh, now you just deflated <laughs> the balloon now. Okay. So what is your collection? I gotta be real with you. No, but like anime is a big thing. Okay. Especially Naruto. Naruto. Okay. Like, Cause you got the Dragon Ball Z reference in there. Yeah, so like when I say visualizing, I visualize myself in like characters that I used to grow up. With. Yeah. yeah. So like Naruto is a big thing. Yeah. A lot of the discipline, a lot of the self, growth are you like the early naruto fan are you a shippuden fan like where are you everything everything because i used to watch it in um i think they have the new like boruto like his son is japanese like uh, and i started like earlier in grade grade seven yeah yeah, yeah. so that was part of my childhood just watching him and i feel like me and him are similar in that way yeah i was still connected to the things that i grew up yeah so when he became the hokage yeah yeah like when he ascended finally i picture myself like that with my music it's like okay there's people that doubted me yeah I know I'm not the best at what I do yet. Yeah. And I will become the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I will win the people over. Yeah. It's like the same thing. People that don't know Naruto what we're talking about right now, like, please. You need to educate and, yourself no, and find and, out. And Naruto, there was a music. Yeah. That was the first anime that I freaking started crying because of the music. Man, yeah. all the sad scenes. And yeah. I, then I would analyze music. Yo, why is this making you feel this way? Yeah. The same way I would analyze Aeroma's music. Wow. In the movies. So I'm like, everything's fucking connected, man. Naruto, what else? What are some, is there any other, is there movies that had like an impact on you that you look back on? Interstellar. Interstellar? Yeah. Ooh, that was, that, I, you know, I feel like that's like a dark horse that people don't look back and give enough credit to. Because and I'll give you my, my moment and you tell me about what it was for you. The scene where Matthew McConaughey is getting that uh, footage from back home. Yeah. And his kid. And he's like welling up and the music that comes in. That's just like, it's just like the music. And I'm I'm really into like you know yeah. other multiple Hans, dimensions and like, Hans Zimmer like the way he composed stuff for that's when I really started that. listening to Hans Zimmer's music. I love cinematic music too. Yeah, like, yeah. That's obviously started from like Aaron Roman, but like hearing in movies, I love big orchestras. Like yeah, yeah. I see myself conducting an orchestra one day, yeah, yeah. but not just an orchestra of like a typical orchestra, or an orchestra of like non-sound players. Yeah, yeah. An orchestra of middle very players. unique, yeah. unique sounds. Yeah, yeah. To uh, cater towards like what I. What was it about Interstellar then that, that, that pulled you and that really had you? Because I'm always thinking about space. I'm always thinking about where life can take us, right? Yeah. So like how we ended up in Saturn, yeah. you know? And then the music just matched I think everything. there was a, just a, I forgot what the satellite name was, just crashed into Saturn and got the, like the closest yeah, pictures of it. Yeah, and, and just all, like, like the music fits so well behind it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I like being on the edge of my seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Huge. same way with Interstellar, like Inception, I felt the same way too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Things yeah. like that. Hans Zimmer really is like, super, super proud. Movies I really make you think. Like, yeah. In The Dark Knight where he had that, that single, in, the single string instrument that he played yeah. for the Joker. Like, it almost like introduced the Joker. Like, now if you heard that sound, you'd think that you were watching it's like The Dark Knight. you tie Knight. the sound to the thing. The same way I tie sad music to Naruto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, everything gets tied back. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah. That's huge, man. That's huge. Um, if you had to kind of give 
two or three pieces of like actual actionable advice mm -hmm. instead of just broad saying work ethic. What are two or three things that creatives can do to get better at their craft? Man, look for networking events. Okay. Just go on Google and type in networking, networking events. Use the network or something. Okay. There's so many people in our community always hosting events now. Yeah. They just want people like you know, like yourself, just getting to know other creatives. Yeah. That's the best way. That's how you grow the culture. That's number one. What else? Um, education. Educate yourself mm -hmm. on your craft. Mm -hmm. Really educate yourself. And so you're talking that, more from like a technical side of education. Both te technical. So like watch tutorials. Like yeah. if you're doing music production or like anything filming, watch tutorials on obviously it'll take some time before you find like a page that you really yeah. like you know tutorials and find yourself a mentor yeah, yeah, yeah. find yourself find a good teacher yourself. yeah that's huge uh especially on the educate yourself um it really spoke to me because you know it's something that we talk about of like it's great that people go out and take pictures and do these things but put in the time to learn the craft itself and master the craft like in the camera like as opposed to relying on photoshop to save the picture yeah get it right in camera um, but I also think that part of it is also looking back at history because you talked about this, mm -hmm. you know, early in the inter interview about going back in the fifties and learning music from then. Um, there's photographers and street photographers that were doing this like decades before we were, they have books and to go back to that rich history, mm -hmm. uh, educate yourself in that way as well. Yeah. I know it's like, for me, it's, I don't like reading as much. So it's yeah. hard when I, there's books, but like seeing something visually, yeah. I think it's more appealing to me. Yeah. And, but I think for me, the best way is to learn from someone who's actually, you know, yeah, doing yeah. bigger, better things in the field that I want to do. And just gaining their wisdom, their knowledge yeah. and applying to your own craft. Huge, man. Again, thank you for sitting down with us. For the people that are listening or watching, how can they get a hold of your craft, your music? Where can they follow you? All that kind of um, stuff. You can follow me on my social media on Instagram. It's Yonson Music. Uh, y A N. So yeah, my C -H -A -N. name is very interesting name. Spelled like Yan Chan, Y N C H N, but yeah. pronounced Janssen. Janssen. A lot of Hindu people use numerology. Yeah, that's yeah. how I got my name. Yeah, of course. I don't know the whole shenanigans. But yeah, yeah. It's Janssen spelled like Yan Chan. Yeah. It's going to stay that way. Yeah. Um, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play Music, everything is Janssen. Dope. So Dope. listen to the music. You'll love the music. Share the music. All that kind of stuff. Thank you again for sitting down Thank with us. You. Again, make sure to listen to the full interview, the podcast itself, and the link below. Again, if you have any questions, reach out to him himself. It's all about creativity shared. Thank you for watching, and we'll see you next time.